0: to episode 137 of Flix in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, forever and always, the man, the myth, the wandering beer guy, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al.
1: Thrilling music continues. Oh, okay. That's,
0: <laughs> that's what we're doing. Yes. <laughs> yes. That, that might be my favorite moment. <laughs> on, on this week's episode, a new teaser drops, Al does a reading, and we talk about what to watch for along with other news and nuggets, all before diving into our flick of the week, The Wandering Earth. But first, Al, we got something special. We do. We're restocked. We are. What are we drinking?
1: We're drinking the first of, there's probably like, what do we have, six or eight Newberg beers coming up over the next yeah. few months? Oh, yeah. Um, thankfully, two weekends ago, Anthony was able to come up and uh, hang out for a bit, and we were able to exchange some beers. I think we're stocked through halfway through 2021. Uh, LAUGHTER
0: we could eke out 22.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um yeah, we're drinking a Newberg beer which we always love to do, going harkening mm-hmm. back to our very original episode. Um and also they they're like 15 minutes from me, so it's like super easy to to grab beer from them. And they've been <laughs> delivering it to me in this pandemic. Oh, how wonderful. So uh, along with empanadas which oh, yeah. What a treat. It is. It is a it well, is
0: Who's going Who's going to order beer for a like a delivery that's going to be coming soon? See the option to tick off also empanadas and not do it. I know, right? Is my question. Okay.
1: Plus some merch, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, so we're drinking Newburgh Brewing Beach Chair Coconut Brown Ale. Uh, this was a limited release. Um, it's proudly brewed. Why would they put white on light yellow? Proudly <laughs> brewed and canned by Newburgh Brewing Company in Newburgh, New York. 4.2% alcohol by volume. It came in a pint. It does. They always ask you to drink local, which is great. Um, we mm-hmm. took our brown ale, we added coconut, and blended it with whiskey barrel aged brown ale. It's brown ale for the beach.
0: I mean, you're just speaking my language. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds delightful. The can, as always, looks delightful. I will say that we have an official pint glass of Flixima Six, which will be used today. Uh, one minor note, not saying it's bad, not saying it's good. Their pint does not fit in their pint glass.
1: <laughs> See, I've always been a little unsure about this. Is this supposed <laughs> to be a pint glass? Because I never thought that this was supposed to be pint-sized. I'm pretty sure it's a pint glass. Well, I've drank out of other glasses this size, and I think it's more like 14 or 15 ounces, because it doesn't ever... The, these glasses never seem to fit an actual pint.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Or, or, or this or, is just over full. You or more for your money.
1: Let's to say we could be looking at this the wrong way. Instead that's of right. saying that the glass is skimping on us, we could be saying that maybe we got, we got two ounces and a half and a ounces of beer. Yeah.
0: that's that. That's that. Drink local tax. It's reverse. Yes. you don't pay it.
1: <laughs> the drink local it. premium.
0: <laughs> the drink local premium. Yeah, that's right. That's. Right. <laughs> oh man, I'm excited about this one. Let's so this we taste, we both have we?
1: Newberg glasses, which is a delight. I never, you know what, is this
0: logo new?
1: No, they've always had, well, I don't know about I, always, but they've had it for a very long time.
0: I've never noticed the heart with the beer in it. Yeah. I like it. it I like bre- it a lot. It's brewed with heart. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not discounting, <laughs> but it's, it's just awesome. Uh, I'm going to slowly raise this to my lips.
2: <laughs> woo!
0: Woo! Cheers. Cheers.
2: Mm.
0: Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Oh man!
1: Mm, drink it in; it always goes down. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> oh, that is that is smooth. It is oh so fragrant. I taste everything it says on the can.
1: Whiskey brown and brown.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. And uh,
1: you know how those like purple? Oh man! Purple flavored.
0: And it's nicely. It's like it's nicely light. Yes. Well, for that's the, the thing is everyone.
1: Well, not everyone. That's that's probably not fair. A lot of people associate dark beers with heavy beers, and while sure. that's mostly true. It's certainly not always true. Yeah. And oh. Oh. this is a light and airy beer with a roasty, toasty mouth feel. Well, not mouthfeel, feel. Taste. Let's go with taste.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: it's got a very smooth, silky smooth mouth feel, which is nice. Um, it's coconutty. Very which nice. Is delightful. It's. Got just enough whiskey; it's not overpowering, which mm-hmm. sometimes that can be nice with a brown or a porter. But in this case, I think it's just restrained enough.
0: Mm. Oh my, that's oh my. two thumbs.
1: Yeah, that's two a, thumbs.
0: It's all really the fuckles. It's
1: it's all the fuckles. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We're oh loading man. this
1: beer up with fuckles right now.
0: I'm 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 so happy you're back, Newberg. <laughs> I've missed you.
1: You made a good choice to get it started with. Not oh, to say that the other man. ones won't be as good. This one though, right? But this had. is like I already knew about yeah. this one a lot. So
0: the bar is high. The bar is
1: high. Well, I cheated. I bought two four packs of this when it came out, so yeah, I already I mean, knocked through one of those four packs. Nice. Uh,
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, you buried the lead well. Yeah. When I said when I said this one, it, it was almost like you were like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> Little did I know.
1: Well, I don't want to taint the uh, jury. Uh, selection here i want to be uh you coming in fresh be excited for newberg as you should be have that excitement rewarded properly
0: there is a when i when i take a whiff and i mean like when i take a big whiff of this i put my nose all up in the glass
1: like suction enough to maybe lift some of the liquid up like something yeah some
0: of it hits you um right when i come back after dealing with the fluid up my nose uh Chris, some sort of Christmas cookie is what I'm getting. I don't, I, I'm trying to put, put like there's something very specific that I've eaten in the past around the holidays that this reminds me of, and I don't know what it is.
1: I'm gonna guess something with toffee, maybe because probably often, uh, it's it's a little bit more hidden in this one than it would be in their normal brown because you've you're competing with the whiskey and coconut. Sure. Um, I know my brown had notes of toffee in it which were truly delightful as well. And I believe that the, the plain old Newberg Brown also has that as well. Um English toffee specifically, I believe.
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Actually uh, funny
1: funny that we should mention toffee because I for some reason I opened a closet in my kitchen and in it from I'm assuming Halloween was a tiny little heath bar which I popped hmm. right into my mouth.
0: And, oh, and, love heath bars. Can't uh, go wrong. Yeah. I there's a there's an ice cream that I make Coffee Heath Bar Crunch. Oh, uh,
1: yeah. Oh, is that a treat? <laughs> <laughs> I had, so good. I had this ice cream. It was like maple bourbon brown sugar ice cream. I've had something
0: like that. Oh, yeah. We
1: had it like a couple weeks ago here, and it was so fucking good.
0: hmm Man, I, I do. I like a toffee.
1: Yeah. Underrated. Honest, Toffee's I, underrated. I love, I love, Let's bring I love. toffee back.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Let's reclaim toffee. Is yeah. that what's
1: happening? Yeah, because I feel like toffee's been left back in the 1950s, along with very large toaster ovens that are made of chrome. And let's bring <laughs> toffee back.
0: Yeah, I'm down with that. Uh, where, <laughs> where Where do you land on taffy? Uh,
1: it's fun. <laughs> I always really like the idea it's, it's, of taffy. And then... What?
0: <laughs> what a What a tremendous review. <laughs>
1: I always, like, get really excited when someone <laughs> brings me a box of taffy, and then I eat, like, yeah. three pieces of it, and I'm like, wow, this is such a shore. I'll, oh, yeah. I'll get to see yeah. more of this later, and then it's six months later.
0: If you gotta stre- if you got to strengthen those jaw muscles, and then, that's what you do. You eat some well, taffy.
1: Well, the problem is I have fillings in some of my teeth, and I'm afraid they oh. won't be there anymore. Um, okay. Fair enough. The problem with taffy is if you let it sit around long enough, it becomes a consistency of taffy. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: The uh the old the taffy toffee correlation of course it's, of it's course. the
1: old taffy toffee. <laughs> <laughs> I always love this hand motion because it reminds me of and you've never gotten there in Archer, but it's one of the great stupid jokes of all time that they do in that show. So Al's um,
0: doing a waving motion with his hands. Yes,
1: <laughs> kind of like a wave for all of action, you who uh, can't see us. <laughs> well, you can see, and that's all that really matters. So in season five <laughs> of Archer, uh, light spoilers for a season that came out like five years ago. Sure. Um, They all get arrested in the first episode of the season. And -hmm. it turns out that ISIS, and they named that organization that before the terrorist organization, and have since stopped using that name. (laughs) But back then they were still known as ISIS, and they were all arrested because apparently ISIS was illegally doing spying activities. (laughs) So the FBI comes in and rolls them all up they negotiate their way out of it, but what they failed to let know let be known to the FBI was that they had like a ton of cocaine, a literal ton of it. Perfect. Um, and so they become drug dealers for, or at least they try to become drug dealers for the rest of the season. Uh, and that season is Archer vice and. Oh my God. <laughs> so they, the FBI periodically checks up on them. So, one of the FBI agents is named Slater, and he's voiced by Christian Slater, and he looks into it like Christian Slater. I think I they maybe
0: have like seen it. this or some of it.
1: You may have seen some of that. Yeah. We, we didn't get to it when we were watching it together, and I don't yeah. think you've watched any since then. It's probably been a solid year. We were early yeah. in season three. Um, but Slater's boss is, I for, well, I forget what his name is, but he's voiced by Gary Cole. And so- perfect.
0: As history. all bosses should be, in real life <laughs> and in animation.
1: <laughs> yeah. So they relocate to Cheryl slash Carol slash Charlene's mansion in New York City. <laughs> and it's gigantic, and they kind of all uh. have their own wing of the house. And I forget exactly what happens. And something... The, the, the FBI comes to the door. Okay. And... <laughs> They are doing like a quote-unquote routine, random inspection of the house to make sure they're mm-hmm. not doing anything illegal. And Archer, the, so I think someone rings the doorbell or something like that, and and Woodhouse is going to go into the door, and Archer says, "Don't let don't let anyone don't invite anyone in. You know, guests are like vampires. You know, once you invite them, like they're in, and you can't get rid of them." <laughs> uh-huh. So, all right, so he, I think he mentions it like offhand, and then the doorbell rings, and Woodhouse answers the door. And he comes back and he says, oh, it's uh, Mr. Whatever his name from the FBI. And they're like, don't let him in. He goes, ah, sorry, sir. I've uh, already invited him in. He goes, oh, God. And they go to the door. And he goes, <laughs> Get out. And he goes, nope, sorry. We're the FBI. And he goes, you can't come in here unless there's a, you know, a, a, you have a warrant for us. We're not doing anything suspicious. Isn't that? He goes, we're the FBI. Once we've been invited, we're in. We're in. <laughs> a <bunch> of vampires.
0: <laughs> That's great. That's fantastic. Uh, where You were also two thumbs on this bad boy
1: Yeah, no, I love this beer, it's great
0: Okay, so uh, I just wanted to circle back one more time Because uh, if you can get this You should get this
1: <laughs> The only other beer that I had that was somewhat like this And it might even be slightly better <laughs> I can't remember if we did it for the show or not Was the Maui Brewing Coconut, I think it's Coconut Porter, not Coconut Brown
0: <sighs> I'm not sure I know we did a, we did a Coconut something from Cyprus Mm. That's really good.
1: I know we. I'm pretty sure we did one Maui beer. I don't know if it was that one. I know yeah. we've, you and I have talked about it when I went to Hawaii. A couple
0: well, when ago. you're 137 beers in, it gets a little hard to keep track.
1: 137. You're forgetting about Cloud Atlas Part One.
0: I, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, how could you? exactly? <laughs> All right, okay, shall we, we? Shall we get into some some news and nuggets? <laughs> <laughs> sure.
1: Yeah, news for us because I don't really. I got I got
0: a minor one. Uh, I I I saw a new teaser today. Nice (laughs) for. Well, see that's where that's where the story starts to go south. (laughs) Uh, It's just okay. I mean, it was it was for Halloween Kills. Have you seen the? Did you see the teaser?
1: No, I was not. It's pretty.
0: It's it's as much. It's like it's basically slapstick, right? It's like because for whatever reason, Michael Myers is never dead, right? And you know. Uh, spoilers, I guess, for that last Halloween movie that came out sometime ago. It doesn't matter, <laughs> but I'm going to say it anyway. The end of the movie, we did it. We did an episode on it. The house is on fire. Michael Myers la- locked in the basement. House on fire. Laurie Strode leaves, right? With, uh, I think, her daughter and granddaughter and in the back of a pickup truck. So in you, drive you're remembering
1: higher. this differently. We didn't actually do an episode on it. You just did a whole segment on it. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> anyway. I never saw the movie. <laughs> anyway,
0: um, so that's, that's what happens. And uh, they're leaving. They're driving down the highway. And you're like, oh, he's like, he's going to burn. Like, there's no way out. He's burning to death in there. And then... Wait, you actually uh, thought that? What's that?
1: You actually thought that?
0: No, no, like, uh, well, for a, a, for a moment when I thought, that'd be nice if we were just done with this franchise.
1: <laughs> for a moment of two seconds.
0: Right. Until... Uh, until like moments after I finished watching the movie, it was like the next two were announced. <laughs> so, yeah. so there's that. But uh, the teaser is basically they're still on the highway, they're flying down the highway. She's like completely traumatized again, as as she always is in the state of Halloween films. And as one fire knows. trucks are blaring sirens, and they're going the other way down the highway. It's just going no, no, let him burn. <laughs> And that's it. <laughs> and it says Halloween kills 2021 <laughs> was,
1: was, like, was that supposed to come out at the end of this year?
0: I think so. I think so. it's a it's a it was supposed to be this year and next year the, the two in succession that's right, um, but that's I so guess right. they're they're probably just pushing it out one year piece. Um, but I was just like i for what I don't understand like I don't care for the Halloween movies. But for whatever reason, I'm continually drawn to them.
1: Yeah, you're the one who keeps trying to make it a thing.
0: I, no, I know. I know. You know what it is? I feel like I'm missing something.
1: <laughs> Guys, I just want to get it, okay? Yeah, I just,
0: I, that's it. I just want to get it. And then when I watched the first one, like the original, I was like, man, this is not good.
1: <laughs> See, I remember that conversation. I think we had a guest on that episode. Mm. It might have been... Gary? Brian? Maybe it was Gary. i think it was you Talk Garrett. a lot I think it was horror, ho- uh, uh, horror movies with Gary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're like, you're basically Kanye West in the Fishsticks episode of South Park. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm and I'm and I'm Carlos Mencia. Just get it, man. <laughs> just get it. <laughs> I, I just
0: don't. I don't. I don't. I don't get it. Uh, and in the vein of not getting it, I'm going to watch the next two probably, and I mean, see- I'm sure
1: you'll get it eventually.
0: It was, well, you know what it is. I got one of them. I thought one of them was very good. the 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 first remake with Rob Zombie thought it was a good movie. H2O? The sequel to that movie so bad. Potentially. <laughs> oh yeah, the sequel, the Rob Zombie sequel, um, until Phantom Thread and Roma was the worst movie I had ever seen. <laughs>
1: Wait, yeah, that was the first of the them was H two O, right? Halloween twenty years later or whatever.
0: Yeah. There was Halloween 20 years later?
1: What was the other one? That was, H202?
0: Then it was. Then, no, that was the next one was Resurrection. Uh. Right? And then the next one was Halloween. Again. And the next one was Halloween 2. Nice.
1: Right.
0: And the next one was Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: and the next one is Halloween Kills. <laughs> is this like Fast and Furious versus yeah. Fast and the Furious? Yeah. Uh, what I'm most amazed by.
0: Is that there's a third, the third Halloween movie has nothing to do with Michael Myers, which is just another thing. I think I'm just fascinated by this series and how it's gone on for as long as it did. Okay. (laughs) There's a Paul Rudd Halloween. What? Yeah. I think it's like the sixth one or the fourth or the sixth one has Paul Rudd in it.
1: I'm, I'm lost now.
0: (laughs) Somehow I know it's not the fifth one. I'm not sure why. Yeah, can we go
1: back? Why do
0: you of that? I don't know. I just I I have a weird thing with numbers. I know it was even. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. Okay. okay. Uh, I saw I saw a part of it uh, once when I had cable and it, it was, you know, like uh, it was, you know, the Halloween season and just horror movies are on all the time. Um which is like those are the only things I really miss about uh cable television is like the holiday season and just generally putting on like a this holiday genre of movie and like just turning the TV and just watching whatever's there. Um, but that is how I was in, Oh, I was in the apartment in Hoboken. It was Halloween. I was doing stuff around the house. I had whatever channel on that does this. And I was like, that's Paul Rudd. I wonder what this movie is. And I was like, that's Michael Myers. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But such, so such a weird, such a weird franchise with like three different timelines. Wait, there's different timelines. Well, yeah, because there's a bunch of movies, and they're not all cohesive. Mm. There's, like, one and two go together, and then one and one go together, and then I don't like three is just ones. there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, that's enough of Halloween Kills. Uh, I think you should watch the trailer, and you should laugh as hard as I did. <laughs>
1: Well, you mentioned something about them being in Succession, which reminded me that Succession is not coming out this summer because they never technically got started making that season, which Mm. is depressing. But other things supposedly are coming out.
0: What do we got? What do we got? Yeah, hit me.
1: So, one, I have a question for you. So, in my current state of working entirely too much, I realize that I'm losing track of mundane details, much like Michael Bolton. Sure. And. Have you been watching, or were you at some point watching The Alienist on Plex? No. So okay, I don't know why I thought maybe I saw that pop up at some point and I meant to ask you. And now I realize that I maybe I imagined that. Yeah. Are you familiar with The Alienist? Yeah, isn't that on Prime? I mean, it might be. It, it aired on TNT.
0: Okay. I know um, of it. Okay. Is that the uh, bad guy from
1: Civil War? Is he in that? Yes. Okay. Three leads. It's... Um, Oh, God, what is his name? He's got some German name that I'm totally drawing a blank on. But his, he plays Laszlo Kreisler, I believe, on the show. He's a okay. German doctor who lives in New York City. Um, Luke Evans plays a guy who I guess is kind of a private investigator, if I recall correctly. And Dakota Fanning plays someone who worked in the mayor's office, I believe. And it takes place, I think, around the turn of the century, 1900. Okay.
0: Daniel uh, Brühl? That yes, his, that? that's his name. Yeah.
1: And so the three of them all know each other. Luke Evans and Daniel Brühl knew each other. Luke Evans and Dakota Fanning's characters knew each other. And the three of them all come together to hunt this serial killer in the first season. And
0: Okay, I think I was v- intrigued by this when I first saw like a, a trailer for it.
1: Yeah, really solid first season. It was based on a book, I believe. Um, one of the very few things on TNT that I ever had even the slightest bit of interest in. Um, but it was a really solid first season, and as the last I remember hearing, they said they were going to just do a one-off, or maybe possibly like look into doing some sort of like anthology series. I was like, oh, okay, okay whatever. And then all of a sudden, a couple weeks ago, lo and behold, commercial on TV, <laughs> and it's people like well, you know they do the thing where like one like person like starts narrating a trailer and then like the next person does or like they overlay type of thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's a Dakota fanning, they flash Dakota fanning, they flash Daniel Brühl. they flash Luke Evans. I don't remember the exact order, and I was like, oh my god, are they oh, doing the god. aliens again? Mm-hmm. And it's the three of them and they like fan out and they're standing next to each other and it's like we're back bitches. And I was <laughs> like, they didn't actually say that, but that was essentially what this commercial was saying. <laughs> And I was like, <laughs> nice. "Oh shit, I'm totally on board for some more alienness. Why the hell not? Yeah, I don't even know that what the sounds- season's about. I don't care. There's missing children. Someone gets replaced with a doll or something like that. I'm on board. It was a, it was a good show. It was a fun, yeah, right. it was a terribly dark and depressing show. Um,
0: oh, great! More, more of the type of media I need right now.
1: Yeah. Well, no, I mean, like, it's fine because it's not real.
0: Sure, <laughs> sure." <laughs>
1: No, but it's, it's, it was a pretty well-written show in the first season. Uh, uh, very well acted. I mean, those three actors are all very good. Um, the couple of support characters are all good as well. Um, totally forgetting who. There's someone else who's like a character actor who's joining this season. I saw like Flash briefly in the, the trailer. Oh, what's his name from uh, Game of Thrones? The guy who played Bruce Bolton. Okay. Uh, he seems to be in it. I'm sure he'll be someone nefarious because I think that's the only thing he can.
0: Do. <laughs> that's what. It, that's his middle name. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I forget the actor's name. Uh, wasn't he in The Foreigner with uh, Jackie Chan and Pierce Brosnan? I
0: think so. Was I think wasn't, wasn't he uh, one of the guys at the, like the guard in the house at the end?
1: Yeah, he was like his right hand man, Pierce Brosnan's <laughs> yeah. right hand man, or something like that. Um, I,
0: always- I, I, for the life of me, like while we while you were saying that, uh-huh. I was like who was the bad guy in that movie? And then when you said it, I was like, "All oh, right."
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just heard something recently. Oh, I was listening to, to Cinephobe, and they were talking about Tango and Cash. And Oh, man. See, I never saw it, but I've, <gasps> I've heard <laughs> that it's a hysterical, like, super 80s, like, action comedy that's, like, so bad it's good type of thing.
0: Yeah, 100%. I saw that movie... Way too long ago, way too young on TNT, and as a child
1: watching it, I was like, eh, "It was weird." <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I listen daily to the Dan Lebetsard show with Stu Stugots, and so they had <laughs> Stugots on to talk about just because Tango Cash is his favorite movie of all time. He talks okay. about it all the time on the show. So add it to the list. Let's do it. What's
0: that? i said Add it to the list. Let's do it.
1: I mean, okay, I mean, what the fuck <laughs> not? I mean, it's not like we have anything else new other than that weird movie that we talked about last week. Unhinged? Was that what it was?
0: Yeah, we're not watching that. <laughs> no, no.
1: <laughs> so we're not going to watch anything new because there isn't anything, nothing new other than that weird movie that definitely won't actually work. Re- oh, maybe it will in Florida, and yeah, that'll officially <laughs> Um oh, God. If you're wearing a mask in Florida, then I have all the pity on the world. I'm praying for you. No. Um, but anyway, I digress. Tango and Cash, so... They were talking about different castings that could have happened in that movie. Okay, so originally they wanted Mel Gibson for the Kurt Russell role, but
2: okay,
1: he was already Lethal Weapon. Sure, <laughs> and like they basically ripped off the character off that character.
2: Right,
1: they're talking about other people who could have been. So one of the ones they wanted to do was Patrick Swayze and Pierce Brosnan. Actually, but even back then, was someone that was considered for that role.
0: Okay, <laughs> I'm just. I'm trying to remember. There's. I only like. I'm getting random glimpses of this movie, and uh, my head is spinning because I. It's. I'm pretty sure it's just. It's just Coke. It's 80s Coke. Is what it is.
1: Right. <laughs> I mean.
0: <laughs> but oh man, we have to do
1: it. I mean, I'm bored. We don't. Really you know what? Really have I, anything I next week.
0: I haven't seen enough. Patrick Swayze movies. I would really like to watch like Roadhouse and I, do that.
1: I've seen a random 15 minutes of the middle of Roadhouse.
0: We should watch Roadhouse, pretend to do an episode on it, and then it just be an episode on the Family Guy episode where Peter's kicking things. <laughs> like the
1: steering wheel <laughs> as he takes the long way home. <laughs> roadhouse. R- 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 roadhouse. 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 You don't say every time scene you kick. Early on in that. In that episode, too, where they talk about all the other random 80s movies. And I was like, mm. man, I think I've seen every single one of them. <laughs> Except
0: yeah, we got to reason. Reason. get on the 80s train. Actually, uh, I, I don't know. While talking about decades, I guess that's how I'll do this. Um, <laughs> I came across this thing on Looper. It said great 90s movies that still hold up today. And I figured we'd go through the list together. Uh, see if we agree, disagree, or um, need to immediately call out any like noticeable absences from the list.
1: Sound good? Okay.
0: All right. So starting off the cover images, the like, these are what yeah.
1: sort of mo- the movies that hold up? You said
0: great '90s movies that still hold up today. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. So the cover of of the article is the Matrix, and it's the first movie listed, which is uh, I mean, obviously we did an episode on it. It's tremendous. Uh, it ages surprisingly well, uh, and it's just especially knowing where it came from. Um, and the time that it came out and how revolutionary it was. Uh, even though the like the special effects are not amazing by today's standards, it's funny to watch that movie and see how it is in everything we watch today. I think yeah. that's kind of cool. Um, the second movie on the list, which I could not agree more, is 10 Things I Hate About You. And I don't know if you... Have you seen this? No. Okay, 10 Things I Hate About You is... Uh, when you think about, like, uh, those, like... High school, college, like dramedies. Ten things I hate about you is the is the one that pops into my head. Like, really? yeah, like we you did we ever do? Can not hardly wait. No, um, that's another one. Like, like ten things I hate about you. I don't even is, think I've heard of that one. Oh no. Oh no. well, one one day we'll we'll have to do this one because I I love this movie and when I when I saw it on this I was like it, yeah a hundred percent it holds up it's so good so good uh, I would. Arguably, I would have said Heath Ledger at his finest, <laughs> but <laughs> we all know where that is. Is that the uh, one
1: that technically, wasn't it like based on one of the Shakespeare plays yeah. or something like that? Which one is it?
0: Um, I'm not sure which one, but yes. Doesn't matter. Uh, the Taming of the Shrew, maybe? Uh, maybe. Uh, it probably says in this article. Yeah, The Taming of the Shrew. Uh, Twelve Monkeys.
1: The Bruce Willis movie?
0: Yeah, and I remember seeing it and thinking it was a really good movie, but I haven't seen it in a very long time.
1: I've heard it was good. I know they did a mini-series, like mm-hmm. revival reboot a few years mm-hmm.
0: ago. That's right.
1: Um, I, from what I understand, the movie was supposed to be really good. I never saw it, though, so.
0: Alright, well, we'll add that to the list, too. This is just a like, way to get 90s movies back on the list.
1: <laughs> that one's supposed to be really dark,
0: right? Uh, I believe so. I vaguely remember the premise, and I remember, like, I, I think it's I, I think it's a solid movie um fight club is on the list Mm -hmm.
1: do you have strong opinions on fight club (laughs) i do it's Mm -hmm. a very good movie that unfortunately off also like the matrix many people don't actually understand it like Mm -hmm. a lot of people who love it got the wrong message from it
0: (laughs) sure sure uh seven yes yeah, hard to argue with that. This one, this one blew me away and I was like, "Oh man, here's one I need to rewatch. The Crow." I never saw that one. We should watch The Crow and and talk about all of the craziness around that
1: movie. I'm going to have trouble taking it seriously in a post Shits Creek world. Oh my god. <laughs>
0: Listen to our calls
1: <laughs> The crows have eyes And you better not look them In
0: it In <laughs> uh, We have Romeo and Juliet Baz Luhrmann's
1: uh, Romeo and Juliet I watched like the first 15 minutes of it I couldn't, it made me uncomfortable
0: But John Leguizamo <laughs> Goon? Uh, Blade
1: I don't remember the first one well
0: I've seen either. I really want to watch it again. It though. a
1: bunch of times, and for whatever reason, most of it doesn't resonate or mm-hmm. stick with me at all. Like mm. the second one, I remember the whole movie. Right, I've seen both of them a bunch of times. I just remember like snippets of the first one, and for whatever reason, it just won't stick in my mind. Much like for the longest time, the end of Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, but I'm with you on Blade. I. I, was, I remember loving it, and I'm the same way where like there are scenes that I remember.
1: Like, I remember I, I, the big I, battle at the end, and like that's about it.
0: I don't, even, I don't remember the second one that well, either. I, I just haven't seen the movies in a long time.
1: No, I remember the second one very well.
0: Uh, practical Magic, which I've never seen.
1: I have seen parts of it. My mom is a huge fan of it.
0: Okay. Shawshank Redemption?
1: Yes, classic, always.
0: Nice. Dazed and Confused?
1: Uh, I've never
0: actually seen it. That one, I, I, I'm very much ready to watch again. Um, we should. All right, all right, all right. We can. Right,
1: right, we can.
0: Uh, Scream, you're ridiculous. I did get, I got you, <laughs> but I, I just moved on. Uh, Scream and the picture that they chose is tremendous.
1: Uh, Scream is good. Jurassic Park. Do we ever do the original Jurassic Park? I don't think so. We did Jurassic oh, World: Fallen Kingdom for sure.
0: Right with Giano. Yes. Uh, and Terminator Two: Judgment Day, which I mean,
1: which I yeah. always forget is a '90s movie because yeah, it's it like feels 92? like it's
0: '92.
1: I think it's '92, but it feels like it's yeah. like it should be like '88 or something like that.
0: Well, that was the first one.
1: Oh, I thought right? it was or '89. Oh, no, the first one was like '84.
0: Oh, is it? Oh, actually, yeah. you might be right. You might be right.
1: Which is why I think, I think, I think of the second one being late '80s, not early '90s.
0: '84 uh, is correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I thought that was actually a pretty a, a pretty good list. Considering I feel like a lot of the times I'll see those lists and I'll be like, immediately I'll be like, what about this? What about that? But uh,
1: so they were like going for movies that were like actually good on that list. Yeah. Uh, so I would nominate yeah. the usual suspects. Mm, I okay. Would nominate American Beauty. Mm. I know people love Titanic. Mm-hmm. I have never actually watched it all the way through. Really? It was a Landmark movie in its time. Uh, um, Philadelphia.
0: Didn't Forrest Gump come out? Yeah, Forrest Gump was a 90s movie. That should be on the list. That was...
1: Doesn't hold up as well as other movies.
0: I think so. I watched it not that long ago, and I still... You know what it is? It's the goddamn score in that movie. It's, you you, you put score. that score over Tom Hanks, and just magic is happening on
1: screen. <laughs> Great job by <laughs> Hanks. Great score. It's... Kind of a cheesy movie.
0: <laughs> it, uh, okay, that's fair. Um, I'm taking a look at the list of uh, just a, a, another random list at uh, 90s movies to see what pops in. Uh, Goodwill Hunting. Oh,
1: yeah, that one
0: should be uh, in there. Let's see what else. Saving Private Ryan. Oh,
1: of course. Um, I have another one that will probably piss people off, probably piss What's off that? people who listen to this show. I. I'm <laughs>
0: Yep. <laughs> I said hi, Mike. I just assume you're talking about your cousin. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean,
1: Mike probably would be. <laughs> well, I, well, this wasn't what I was going to go with, but him and or Dennis, if Dennis is listening, Mike's brother, because uh, <laughs> they're huge. They're just as big a fan of the Kevin Smith who as you are. But Clark sure. should probably be on that list, right? Yeah, um, but I no. mean,
0: the, the thing is, I my only issue, uh, but I I feel like I can't reasonably judge it because I love it too much. That. I don't know if like my opinion of it is no, but the accurate. thing
1: is that one, even for the people who haven't stayed on the Kevin Smith bandwagon, generally objectively say that's a very good movie. Um, what I was going to say though is Big Lebowski, for whatever reason, mm. just does not click with me the way it seems no. to with most other people.
0: Same, I'm I'm with you. It's not it's not for me.
1: I don't get it. Like it's fine. It it's it's
0: fine is exactly how I would describe it. <laughs> But it could be one of those things that for whatever reason, uh, there are, I I feel like this has come up between us, not as much as with like some of my other cousins that are like in the same age as you, but like there are, there's a couple of year difference. And sometimes that makes a difference with how something was perceived by you. And like, maybe we just missed it,
1: (laughs) you know? I suppose so, except at least for me... Specifically with this movie, like, I feel like when I first saw it, I was the age that those people were when they saw it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Could be the time. I don't know. It could be whatever else is out, or, like, what other your other influences are at the time. Yeah. But
1: because well, you know, uh, sometimes I'm with movies- you.
0: It never it never really resonated with me that I no, was just was like, I don't want to watch this anymore.
1: <laughs> there is such a rabid cult following of that movie that I've just never gotten. I was like, I, I remember watching it and I was like, so when's the part that it's gonna like blow me away? And it like never does. And I was like, uh. Right.
0: what about face off? Should that be on the
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it. Wait, That's, really? Yeah, I've seen like a little bits <gasps> and pieces of it.
0: Oh man! Do we have something to watch? If you have you will have things to say.
1: (laughs) Well, it's funny because I have two separate like reference points for Nicolas Cage stuff because and John Travolta stuff, because Cinephobe is obsessed with those two actors, so of course they're obsessed with that movie. Mm -hmm. Um, but also I was listening the other day to the Edward Norton episode of Armchair.
2: Okay.
1: And he was talking about Nicolas Cage. And how important of an influence he was to the next generation of actors. And it's funny because there are two or three different Nicolas Cages, right? And when he was talking at first about him, he was talking about how, like, he was doing something that no one else is doing and he took these big swings and is really important, like, influential actor. And, like, he, like, that gets forgotten. I'm like, I mean, he's taking some fucking swings. And I was like, oh, no, no. <laughs> like, look back at his actual, like, for for ten or fifteen years, he was a legitimately really good actor, uh-huh. and then he became the Nicolas Cage that we know now. But I think people forget about that because I forgot. I'm like, what the fuck is Edward Norton talking about right now? And then I was like, right. oh yeah, no, like he was like nominated for multiple Oscars. He did he win one?
0: Uh, I'm not sure.
1: Um, but and I never saw Raising Arizona, but like that one is kind of a cultural touchstone. Vampires mm-hmm. Kiss, apparently, even though the movie is super fucking weird, is. A big swing that some people really appreciate uh leaving las vegas i'm you know there's a bunch of you know, moonstruck there's a bunch of movies that that he performed quite ably in right. before he became do every single movie regardless of how terrible it is nicholas cage <laughs> right I'd play the camp to 15 out of 10
0: I, i'm looking through his list to see if i could spot some of the earlier stuff the the list is in a very strange order though Sometimes, sometimes INDB just fails me. It's, I mean, it's almost always
1: chronological.
0: Oh, hey, you know what it is? The list goes on so long is that I've, I've jumped into the section called self and that's not where I want to be.
1: Ah, uh, no, you don't want to be there.
0: I don't want to be in archive footage either. What no. is archive footage?
1: Like this if is... he's in a movie and then that movie is played in another movie.
0: Oh, okay. Nicholas Cageception. Pre-pre- he's got a lot of producer credits.
1: Uh, well, I assume was, that most of these terrible movies season he produces. Uh, the Best of Times, Fast Times
0: at Ridgemont High. He was in Fast as, Times? Uh, yes, and he's credited as Nicholas Coppola.
1: Because that's his name. Mm-hmm.
0: No, I know, but it's just, I, I, I remember watching it and being like, is that? And then seeing the credits and going,
1: is that? <laughs> now, is it Coppola or is it Coppola? Because... Well, I know he's related to Francis Ford. I always feel like they always call him Coppola, not oh, Pola.
0: I don't know. That was just what came out.
1: No, I was just curious if know. I've been mispronouncing it this whole time. Uh,
0: how do you spell Francis Ford's last name?
1: The, I just said I'm ninety nine percent sure they're related. They spell the same way.
0: I was just making sure. You said you're ninety nine. You are 99 you were You, you said you were ninety nine percent sure. Yeah. I don't know. The two P's maybe say it that way, but I don't know um valley girl rumblefish racing with the moon cotton club birdie boy He's got a lot of movies peggy sue got married raising arizona and that's where you said uh you think that's where that's this is where it starts to get big right yes uh because raising arizona moonstruck vampires kiss never on tuesday time to kill wild heart firebirds let's see what else in here honeymoon in vegas that's when you, you talked about that one or no I feel like you mentioned that.
1: Uh, no, Leaving Las Vegas. Isn't that it?
0: Oh, uh, yes. That's a little bit later. The oh, Rock. Oh, The Rock, Con Air. This is where it starts to get a little crazy. You know where yeah. it is? I think he got these big movies, and he's like, this is fucking
1: fun. Well, yeah. because no, <laughs> right after Leaving Las Vegas is when he became, like, action star Nicolas Cage. And even For then, him. like, those movies are a little cheesy, but, like, they're fun. I don't begrudge him those movies. They're sure. fun movies. They're big movies. They're Bay or Bay adjacent movies, like
0: they are definitely Bay adjacent. Uh, the, the Rock, Snake Eyes, Conair. Eight mm Gone in Sixty Seconds.
1: I don't have the same appeal. Enough. That movie doesn't appeal to me the same way it does other people. But I like. I get why people like it. Like that's fine. Uh, Again, I don't begrudge him that movie.
0: Sure, I love that movie. National Treasure, which I adore. Solid movie. Uh, Ghost Rider is Ghost Rider where it officially goes downhill.
1: Well, it's immediately after. Uh, National Treasure is where it goes downhill.
0: Okay. What about National Treasure Book of Secrets?
1: Yeah, like that's, that's straddling the borderline.
0: Okay. Uh, oh well, Kick-Ass. I forgot about him in Kick-Ass.
1: I never actually saw that movie. I think I saw the first like minutes of it.
0: I, I, I like that movie. Should, I know a lot of we people. Could, we could do that. Um, he's, he's pretty nuts in that movie. Uh... And yeah, now now we're in a list of movies that I, I've never heard of, which, you know, it's like when you're just churning movies out, like, I don't know, 15 movies a year, yeah. which is what it feels like based on this
1: list. Well, he has a lot of bills, so he has to pay them.
0: Sure. Sure. Uh, oh, right. Uh, how can I forget Spider-Man Noir? I recently watched that again. Uh, my God, is that a good movie?
1: Yeah. And he's actually great as Spider-Noir.
0: Yeah. Is it is it purple? No. <laughs> is it blue... Now, <laughs> when he's looking at the Rubik's cube, and John Mulaney's Peter Porker is just very disappointed that he can't figure out which colors it is.
1: <laughs> the last movie that felt like he was trying was Lord of War.
0: Hmm, I remember that one. Um, yeah, I, I I could watch I could watch some wacky Nick Cage movies. That's it's always a good time. Um, Al.
1: Wait, I actually. You have, have
0: a reading for me? Oh.
1: I have. We got. We went on wild, wild tangent. I
0: yeah, I don't even know how we got here.
1: <laughs> I, it would be impossible to track the total genesis. I started with the Alienist, and it <laughs> it ended at Nicolas Cage's filmography, as all conversations should. <laughs> all roads lead and to And then he was in
0: Face Off, and all went downhill. What are you
1: talking about? <laughs> all roads all roads lead to michael's cage <laughs> um well he has to have surpassed kevin bacon in the six degrees game right with just because of the sheer number of movies he's been in
0: man i don't know kevin bacon he's all over the place uh let me see if i can get a a, a number can do they
1: have a count of things that that they, you've they been in do. it's right next to the thing that they're in but like you know it says Whatever, like movie or actor or director or whatever, and then there's a parenthesis, and then there's a number.
0: Uh, that's probably on the I'm um,
1: the app, which is probably my fault. Ah, uh, okay. Well, I thought they did it in that too, but not a big deal. Um, but uh, it, so anyway, the alienist comes out. I think the nineteenth of July, which you know, truly a blessing and an oasis in this deserted time without new TV shows. Uh, the other thing that I forgot was coming out, but I just saw another like teaser for it, so clearly they're planning on it coming out, which means they likely are done with it. Is the second season of The Boys, which is due sometime. Oh, in
0: right. I never got to the first
1: one. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember you asked, you know, me and Dominic about it. Yeah. I wrote a review on the spin tune about it. Uh, I enjoyed it. I actually avoided it for some time when it came out because I thought it was going to be too like cynical a like, cash grab type of thing. Mm-hmm or at least trying too hard. And I was very pleasantly surprised by it. I really enjoyed the first season. So I'm looking forward nice. to the second season.
0: That's Amazon, right?
1: Yeah, it's on Prime.
0: Okay. Cool. I I I feel like it's probably something I would like. I'll, I'll have to give it a go. Uh, you are correct. Uh, Nicolas Cage has surpassed Kevin Bacon in credit number.
1: Yeah, has 105. 105
0: to Kevin Bacon's 94.
1: Ooh, tight match.
0: Which is pretty wild
1: there's a website that calculates the ideal degrees of separation for any two actors okay and they always come in under six i picked like i don't remember what it was i saw this like several months ago maybe it was almost a year ago i saw someone mentioned this website and i was like oh wow this is cool i tried to pick like two of the randomest like most obscure like it was like separated by like a hundred like i think charlie chaplin was one of them and i picked someone like totally random from like present day and it still was like four degrees or something amazing it's like how how
0: (laughs) that's so good i what i uh, so i i kind of i have a general idea and i i'm i'm assuming the person that it was back when we did this originally is still the same person that is at the top of the list right now but uh back when we did the shit show we used to be obsessed with uh the number of credits a person had and like how, like who, and we were trying to figure out like, who's the most prolific person we could think of. And we would type their name in. What's that?
1: Typically it's voice actors.
0: Uh, that may be the case. And I, I remember I double checked to see if I was right. I remember who we, who we found the like the highest number for way back then. Uh, I want (laughs) to give you a couple guesses to come up with who do you think has the most? And we'll, I'll search them right now. And see, see if, like if you get the, if you if you beat the one that I have in my back pocket, and if not, I will. You get, uh, we'll give you three guesses, and if not, I'll pull up who
1: I have here. So my first best guess is Jim Cummings, I believe. Jim. He's done a Cummings. million voice acting roles, um, including like I think his most popular one was I believe he was Winnie the Pooh. Okay. ho! ho, ho!
0: yeah. Okay, well, that beats it, for sure.
1: I um, have a feeling, because, like, voice Give actors. me another one.
0: That one's 559 actor credits.
1: Yeah, I knew he was over 500.
0: That's amazing. <laughs> okay. Give me another one.
1: Um, Shit, I'm trying to think.
0: 559. Good for you, Jim.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of who else would be anywhere, like, in, like, the several hundreds. Uh, actually, oh, I forgot the name. Is it, is it James Hong or something like that the, the 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 old um Chinese actor who's been in like a he's been in a million billion, Yeah double... yeah
0: yeah no you got it right James Hong I'm pretty sure that's him let this, me look up. yeah that's him
1: He's been in a lot of like movies and Whoa, voice roles Damn 439 Okay I was saying he, he was a few hundred but still no, can't hold a candle to uh okay
0: to what James else Kong's. you got Who else you got one more So far both the people you've mentioned are above this person that I'm talking
1: about Okay um, and so that, that, that would probably have to be some sort of limit you would put on it is like, you have to probably be like 90% of their roles would have to be like live action or whatever. Sure.
0: Cause sure. which voices- this
1: person might win for. So, okay. but- so if I'm going to try and find, I'm going to try and think of someone who I think would be like just regular, um, okay. like not predominantly voice acting. Um, I mean, Samuel's got to be up there. There was that old Family Guy joke that Samuel's in every single movie. And well, show.
0: that's that's where this conversation started. We just assumed for the longest time that it was him.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's and up he there. He has
0: he has 188 credits, which yeah. is which is still like that's insane. So you found uh, someone
1: else who was predominantly a live action actor who was more than that. Yeah.
0: So uh, let me see. This is the the first person that dethroned him. That we found was Christopher Lee. Oh Uh, yeah, two hundred and eighty-two.
1: See, I didn't realize it was that many. Now he also, though, has as much as many live action roles. Sure, he's He's
0: a lot of video game roles. He's done a million
1: voice acting roles, which
0: is. But that led us to. But he's also yeah yes, but uh, that that led us down the path of like who else is going to be on this list? But he's also like
1: he's also like twenty years older than Samuel.
0: (laughs) Sure. But then we came up with who we who like we had as the crowning champion for a while, which was uh, Danny Trejo.
1: Oh yeah, who
0: is credited in 383
1: things. (laughs) It's like what in the world? I'm actually surprised Nicholas Cage is only at 105.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and it's it's pretty crazy. But like he's he's in so much because he's in like random episodes of TV. And he's just like, he's constantly pulled into things. It's it's amazing. And I was like, is he the hardest working person in Hollywood? He might be.
1: <laughs> he's uh, just
0: like always like there. He's always like, on screen.
1: It looks like it's Jim Cummings is the hardest working yeah, It guy
0: seems that way. It's what was he? He was like knocking out 12 credits a day. It seemed like it's. Yeah, some
1: <laughs> <point>. <laughs> Could you imagine? He's like, all right, here, we're going to do this one episode of uh, Winnie the Pooh. Uh, while you're here, we got a couple <laughs> other episodes of things. We were like, going to have just open casting, but you're here in the studio. You want to knock out a few more episodes? Yeah, <laughs> yeah give <it> me. Whatever. <laughs> I already got the parking validated. Let's do it.
0: Amazing. Was there, were there any other things that we should be watching or looking to watch? Uh,
1: there's something that I might dive into watching. I haven't watched it yet. My brother's been watching. I don't know if he's finished. Um, but he's recommended highly recently um, Black Sales. Oh, okay. Remember that show from a few years ago?
0: Yeah, I know of it. I've never watched it. I remember I was a
1: little bit intrigued when it aired, and I just never got around to it. You were like,
0: I can do Pirates. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, kind of. Um, Because I think, I mean, it aired concurrently with, I think it was only like four or five seasons long. It aired concurrently for a while with uh, Game of Thrones. And the first time I saw a trailer for it, I thought that the lead was Ian Glenn, who was uh, Sir Jorah Mormont on Game mm-hmm. of Thrones, because he looks a little bit like him, and actually it's the bad guy from Die Another Day. But with a beard. I don't remember the actor's name, I just remember well, I'm, try- he I'm trying to picture his face. In, uh, in Die Another Day, who was the on, let me... genetically modified North Korean guy from the opening scene of the movie.
0: I, why, I, 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 I feel like, is it possible that I've blocked out this movie?
1: I think his name is... is toby stevens or something like that
0: okay i see him i know who it yes i got you i i can see how you would confuse him
1: with uh jorah with the with the facial hair like you know he he yeah. like the, with a little bit of scruff i was like uh, is that him I was like, oh no that's not him but every time the what, commercial what, on, what even happened in that james bond movie i don't even remember this they were trying to track down african conflict diamonds and which
0: end up in Holly Berry's belly button at the end of the movie.
1: At the end of the movie, yes. Right. Um, and they're
0: <laughs> connect- Which just such a weird scene. <laughs> yes. Very James Bond, very 90s James Bond, which was like, was, it, was that 2000 something at that point? 2002, 2002 maybe? 2002. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> there it is. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. With possibly the most egregious innuendo of the entire series, just in the sense of how blatantly obvious that the line was when the scene is like not zoomed in on them and she's just saying, Leave it in, James. <laughs> <laughs> and then it pans out and he had dropped one of the diamonds into her yeah. belly
0: button. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, so it's so cringy. Oh boy. All right. So you're going to try that one out? Uh, yeah. If ourselves? I
1: ever get a spare minute to myself. Yes. Um But, uh, it was funny, you know, we talked about, and this will lead us in eventually to our talking of this movie if we ever have time to it, but, uh, <laughs> that's I, all uh, for this. week. <laughs> yeah. So I told you last night I was going to watch the end of this movie because I started watching it Monday night and right. that was Tuesday night. Uh, that was a lie. So what happened was I was going to sit down and watch it, but instead I was like, oh, John around. Let's watch an episode of scrubs together which turned into the family watching, like, four episodes of Scrubs, which <laughs> I'll never turn down a few episodes of Scrubs. Sure, I just sure. will not, uh, but it left me no time to watch the rest of this movie. And then this morning, I was like, huh, maybe I can try and watch it, because it clicked in my mind that the beginning of watching that movie. It said it was a Netflix production, mm-hmm. in conjunction mm-hmm. with a bunch of Chinese studios. I was like, oh, I had no idea. So you watched it on Plex, right? Yeah. Well, I, too, started watching it on Plex, which is how I got the beauty... The beautiful, beautiful gem, thrilling music continues. Thrilling music continues. Yeah, beautiful. Um, so if you watch it on Netflix, it's dubbed in English.
0: Oh <laughs> man, that would have been a game changer because there were things that I, I like this. It was running too fast by the screen.
1: Yes, uh, just okay. keeping track. Very different than watching something like Parasite, where there was a lot enough time for most of the like the lines to breathe. Uh-huh. In this, there was no breathing. It was just like like reading in like. Like you yeah. gotta be a speed reader. I was like, holy shit, I can't well, tell who's that- saying what. I lost track of the names, like
0: Yeah, for sure. I definitely I definitely feel like I missed a lot of visual things because I was like just reading a book the whole time.
1: Yes. Well having those dubs made it easy for me to be able to watch the rest of that movie while I was getting ready oh. for work this morning. But nice. regardless, I digress. That's more for the movie thing at the end. You don't have any more news or nuggets? Uh no. Okay. Well, I have one more. And we've been having a delightful time, and I'm gonna put a damper to on that right now because really Read some stuff that's real life here. Okay, um, We're all familiar with Fandy Newton. I know that Anthony is because I asked him if he was familiar with her right before we got started recording. Right. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, she's currently on Westworld. She's one of the leads. She plays Maeve, one of the, uh, well, I don't want to say in case you have never picked up Westworld and decided to start watching it while you're at home during this pandemic. Um, she was also in Mission Impossible 2. She was in Run, Fat Boy Run with Simon Pegg and The (laughs) guy from Shaun of the Dead who gets torn to pieces at the end. Spoiler alert. Uh, (laughs) She is a pretty well-known actress. Pretty solid actress, at least Mm -hmm. from what I recall in the first season of Westworld. She did a pretty damn good job. Yeah. So there was an interview that came out yesterday. Not that that means anything to you when you're listening to this because it would have been a few days ago. Um, It was transcribed on Vulture. I don't know if that was the original. Sorry. This article was featured in One Great Story, New York's reading recommendation newsletter. Uh, In conversation with Andy Newton, after decades on screen, nothing surprises the Westworld actress, though what she's ready to share will surprise you. And Hmm. so the reason I bring this up is because, I mean, like a lot of people, we get caught up in these, well, how bad could it be? They're making a ton of money blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, so on. But after a certain point in your life, you have to make a decision for yourself. And I can't tell you when that point is and what the decision that you're going to make is. But eventually you kind of have to believe that things are as bad as here. And so mm-hmm. I find that putting a name and a face to it, especially someone who, I mean, I don't think anyone can ever really accuse her of ever gone, being gone for like a cash grab. She's not someone who's been in a lot of blockbuster stuff outside of like Mission Impossible 2. So mm-hmm. I'm just gonna read some selections of stuff from this. Most of it will be kind of unbroken. I'm not gonna read the whole thing because it's rather long, but right. I am gonna read a substantial amount of it because it's uncomfortable, and that's the only way that any of us will get any better. And this time, sure. right now, we're all home and we have the time for it. So let's try and all just reflect.
2: Yeah.
1: As outspoken as Dandy Newton has been throughout her career, there are still stories she's been holding off on telling, not because she's shy, but because she's waiting for the right moment. So careful what you do, everybody, she says, because you might find yourself fucking over a little brown girl at the beginning of her career when no one knows who she is and no one gives a fuck. She might turn out to be Thandie Newton. Mm. At 47, Newton feels she's more powerful than ever, which manifests in our Zoom conversations as a kind of stunning vulnerability. It's rare for an actress whose 30-plus career has ranged from odd arthouse films with Bernardo Bartolucci to blockbusters like Mission Impossible 2 to, well, Norbit, to speak so plainly, She's unsparing about her own career choices and yet maintains the wisdom and compassion to forgive herself. We got to press on, haven't we? Um, So she has just gotten done working in Montana on a movie called God's Country. It's one of the most inspiring projects. I was loving it, but also willing it's end because it was that demanding. And I'd come off of 12 months of pretty intense work with Westworld In Westworld. Your performance is so poignant, both ferocious and beautiful Do you have conversations with the showrunners around the arc of the season or where you would like your character to go? I like to stay sane about my position, which is that I'm being employed to tell someone else's story. Where I do have a degree of choices in taking the role, but once I'm in, I'm a team player. I do have frustrations with Maeve, but that's part of her storyline. What are some of those frustrations? Well, season one, the evolution of this robot who then has the revelation that she's not human and that she has a past involved a child and the betrayal of that and then using that information to empower herself. It was such a powerful story. I'm not surprised it hooked people in. And then the second and third season has Maeve with a different directive. But it's not her own. She's following other people's leads, by and large. In the first season, she's driving, dominating, pretty straightforward. I think Maeve is a metaphor for the dispossessed in this world. And she's become that kind of leader. But she's not had a chance to lead. I don't think she necessarily should. She She certainly doesn't want to. So then she goes on to talk about some of the issues that she had in her life growing up in ballet and other dance and how she very frequently was blowing everyone away. I never got the recognition that she should have, because in her eyes, she was the only black girl in a very, very white organization of people. And that is what it is. There's, you know, truth to that. I'm sure, however much so, you know, as a young person, sometimes you don't feel that that's, you're getting what you deserve. And so She goes on to say that this affected her. She had dealt with anorexia and all these things, and that it totally crushed her self-esteem, and it made her susceptible to manipulation. Mm -hmm. And then I'll pick up again here. She said something about, I had a a complicated relationship with, and then she pauses, and then she says, I let other people do the choosing for me. That saddens me. They said, what were you going to say? You had a complicated relationship with, With sexual relationships, it was like I had to give something back for being noticed. You get predators and sexual abusers that can smell it a mile off. It's like a shark smelling blood in the water. All you need is one of those to really drive you into the dust. In a way, an eating disorder was just like, okay, I need to finish myself off. I need to get fully rid of myself now. Unfortunately, that was while I was in an industry where a woman is utterly objectified. But a really key point, which began when I was like 21 and I met Eve Ensler... You saw the vagina monologues, and then you talked to her afterward. She was performing in a pub in Islington, in North London. Afterward, I saw her as, the, as she came into the pub and we chatted. I found myself telling her my story about being sexually abused. She didn't look at me with pity. For her, it was like, and you're here. It was the moment I turned from being a victim to a survivor. She just pointed out I was moving through it. When you've talked about what happened in the past, getting groomed and sexually abused as a teenager by the director, John Dugan, on the set of Flirting... I noticed the language used by some journalists writing about it was quite odd. Some would call it an affair. Yes. For years I would talk about it a lot in the press as you know, I think it's because I was traumatized. If someone brought it up and of course they're going to bring it up in a fucking interview.
2: Mm. If
1: they spoke about it in a way that's not sympathetic or they called it an affair, it was an insult to injury. It's like reabuse. I think the reason I talked about it a lot too, is I'm trying to find someone who understands I'm looking for help. It's so fucking obvious to me. What is the point if we don't expose what needs to be exposed? When I look at my career and see how affected it was by my speaking out about sexual abuse in the industry, it massively affected it in two ways. One, I was dealing with my trauma and talking about it as a triggering environment. Also, I'd come across people that were doing the same shit, and so I would challenge them or want to get out of it or not want to work with people. One of the biggest movies I didn't end up doing was because the director said to me, I can't wait for this. The first shot's going to be, you're going to think it's like yellow lines down a road and you pull back and you realize it's the stitching because the denim so tight on your ass. It's going to look like tarmac. I was like, Oh, I don't think we're going to go down this road together. Hmm. Then the head of the studio, I had a meeting with her and she said, look, I don't mean to be politically incorrect, but the character is written and you playing the role. I just feel like we've got to make sure that's believable. I was like, what do you mean? What changes would you have to make? And she said, well, you know, the character is written, she's been to university and is educated. Uh, like, I've been to university, I went to Cambridge. She said, yeah, but you're different. Jesus Christ. She's like, maybe, well, just hang on, wait till you hear who, who it is who's saying this. Because you'll recognize the name, I imagine. Maybe there could be a scene when you're in a bar and she gets up on a table and she starts shaking her booty. She's basically reeling off all these stereotypes to me of how to be more convincing as a black character. Everything she said, I was like, "Nah, I wouldn't do that. And she's like, yeah, but you're different. You're different. That was Amy Pascal. That's not uh, really. Su- she's the head of Sony or was for quite a few years. Okay. She's produced all of those Spider-Man movies, mm-hmm. a lot of other things as well. Let's, that's not really a surprise, is it? Let's face it. I didn't do the movie as a result. What was the movie? Charlie's Angels. <sighs> Uh, i am skip to that's not the only thing that happened there's the disgusting thing that happened with the casting couch just this grossness I've got my little black book which will be published on my deathbed of <laughs> names oh of everything gotta leave something behind I'm not doing it when I'm alive I don't want to deal with all the fallout and everyone getting their side of the story there is no side of the story when you're sexually abused you give that up
0: that's a, that was, that's a great statement
1: um yeah then there she goes on to talk about some comparing, contrasting between her and Halle Berry, um, being that they were of a similar age um, mm. and like kind of the only two like black women actresses really working um, at that time. Like they kind of were up for all the same roles. It seems okay. Um, she goes on to talk about that movie, Flirting, um, and then there was another piece of this because what originally put me onto this was uh, there was another snippet in here that i'm trying to find because i didn't get down to this all the way Ah, here you go here's another one to switch gears slightly i wanted to talk about crash crash that's got a chapter in my black book i'm afraid how the sexual assault scene got shot sounded dodgy to say the least and it was not clear to me what happened i wanted to ask you what happened i wouldn't say it was dodgy it was certainly not from paul haggis's point of view Everything he did was right on. The irony is that in the script wasn't specific what his hand was doing inside her skirt. It was just his hand goes up her skirt and that's it. And then later in the scene, when he's screaming at her husband, she says, you just let him finger fuck your wife. I thought she was being ironic. I thought she was saying the worst thing she could imagine because she was trying to make a point to her husband. Because frankly, if I'd been finger fucked by a cop, I wouldn't even be able to talk. But we shot the argument scene already. So weeks later, we came to shoot the scene, the last scene for me, the scene with the cop. At the beginning of that night, oh, God, Paul Haggis got me and Matt Dillon together. And in front of Matt, he said to me, are you wearing protective underwear? And they're both looking at their feet. And I'm like, I'm just wearing underwear. Yeah, why? Because I really want this to be as real as, you know, I really want it to go there. I'm like, what do you mean? Because I just want Matt to feel like he can. And I realized what he was saying. I wasn't even thinking about the earlier scene that I'd said finger fuck. It wasn't until I saw the fucking movie. I'm like, oh, fucking hell. Oh my God. I mean, you hear these stories and I just, you know, I don't understand how there's even an argument and debate about some of these things. Right. And when you read it in someone's voice, I mean, you know, it's not just cold journalism. That's real hot, you know, hot, warm blooded person, whatever you want to say, like that's someone you can put a face to. Like we've mm-hmm. seen her in, in things and whatever you think, about her as an actress, and I think she's pretty good overall, but does it really matter? I mean no. it's disgusting when you hear these these it things. It really is. And Ugh. that there's people who like act like <laughs> one of my favorite things to hear now is, you know, oh she's just doing it for the attention. What positivity comes out of right, the like, attention?
0: Why would I do that?
1: You're not making money off this. She's not suing anyone. Mm-hmm I mean, do you think Amy Pascal is going to be in any trouble? No one's going to give a fuck about what she's done. Paul Haggis, right. I, no one's said his name in 15 years. Right. So what does anyone get from this other than... It's so disgusting. So th- this was the last bit that I wanted to read because this is the first thing I saw that I was just like, I, the pettiness that goes on, and you wonder why people keep their mouth shut and these things get perpetuated is because, right. you know... Between hell, you have a you if anyone you thought if anyone was gonna be able to be defensive of some, of a woman who's being abused, it would be another woman. And so that that's the one thing that disgusts me is seeing that sort of thing.
2: Mm-hmm. So if you're
1: not gonna have the allies of, of the men who are, you would hope would be able to help you out, then you would hope it would be the one or two women in the business who would have that power. Mm-hmm. So she was on the show Rogue. Rogue. Yeah, I didn't want to do it it didn't make sense for the story with the two characters playing husband and wife who were kind of estr- estranged I was like, just doesn't make any sense to take it off. There was about a sex scene in the show rogue. Okay. He goes, listen, kid, Fandy Newton, top off ratings. And I laughed. I was actually pretty grateful for the honesty. And I'm like, well, listen, then definitely fucking not, but he still got the other <laughs> actor to pull my top down in the scene. And that's, what's there. Jesus. And then we're shooting in Canada. I guess it's hard getting extras, people of color. And it was supposed to be set in Oakland. I'm continually saying you've got to populate this cast with more people of color. Uh, uh. It doesn't make any sense. You can't get (laughs) more fucking African-American than Oakland. And he said, but we cast you, so we took care of that. Oh, my God. (laughs) This is the producer. That was in the second season. I thought, I can't do this. I just can't. We had this sort of sexist, casually racist idiot, you know, and I had an argument or sorry, I had an agreement at the beginning of the second season because I was pregnant with my last baby. I was going to be in my third trimester when I made the show, and I said, look, if you want me to do another season, I want to be released from my long term six year contract if I come back. He refused to put it in writing, but agreed. And you know what happened? They got picked up for season three and I said, I wanna go. And then of course they're like, you can't. He had a gentleman's agreement with my agent, and it was all very respectful apparently. And I went through fucking hell because he hadn't told my dear friend who was the writer of the show. So I ended up losing his friendship too, because he assumed I was just going. I don't want to do it. Obviously, I did get out of it. I just had to do a few episodes, which wasn't easy. Everyone hated me for leaving, but no one knew of the agreement a year before. It was extremely painful. I actually thought I might retire then because I had my baby and my husband's career was doing great. Then Westworld was sent to me. And if it hadn't been for Rogue, I wouldn't have wanted Westworld so much. But I'll tell you, this is so hideous. On the last days of doing Rogue, I got killed miserably. I get dumped in a laundry container by this nasty guy who's a great actor. I get taken down to the bowels of a hotel where he had this huge fight where he strangles me to death. And then I get dumped in this garbage disposal tank and the last shot of me is sinking down into the garbage, like into sewage. But listen to this. On the side of the garbage disposal tanks, it says Westworld Garbage Disposal. They all knew I was going on to do Westworld because I'd already signed up to do it. Oh my god. I had put two years of hard work into that show and there I was, Westward, Westworld Garbage Disposal. And so you wonder every time you hear these stories about institutions abusing people and people telling you that they've been abused in these mm-hmm. institutions and, you know, our reflexive inclination is we have our attachments to them, whichever attachments they be for whatever institutions, how much, how many stories is enough to start to believe these people when These things go as they are, right? And that's that's where I am in my life now. Yeah, I'm
0: I'm like past the point of I I I don't it's I feel like it's obvious that like they like these are these are real stories. I just like how do how do we fix this?
1: Well, and this is the thing in in all of these things that are going on right now in this world. as, the, as, our, as our wonderful country burns and we realize that maybe it wasn't so wonderful as we thought. And mm. before anyone jumps down my throat for that, I, I still do believe this is the greatest country in the world. There's not a single place I'd rather live than here.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: something can be the best, but it can still be far from perfect. Mm. And the only way we fix these things is to listen. Yeah. Um, and you listen and you listen and you listen Because there's a lot of people in a lot of different places of a lot of different types and races and genders and creeds who are crying out in pain, who haven't been listened to. And so you can listen for the first time, or maybe you've been listening and listen some more. And that's great. Uh, You don't have to end up agreeing with all of it. But without listening, none of it ever will change
0: what do you do about people in power that aren't listening slash don't care?
1: Well, we have to begin the wheels, I guess, to remove those people mm-hmm. in whatever place they are. And the thing is, if you listen, if I listen, if the people listening to us choose to listen and something, again, it doesn't have to be all of it. You don't have to agree with all of it. You don't. Not everything you hear when you decide to finally open up and listen is going to be quote unquote correct or right. It won't be, but if enough people are saying it and it's from a place of sincere pain in this case, there's something that's going to resonate with you eventually. Mm -hmm. And if everyone listens and you choose what you're going to stand for and what you're not going to stand for anymore, eventually you can put pressure on people to change their ways. They may not change their minds, but they're going to have to change their ways if they want to continue to live in this society, mm-hmm. and we're seeing it. It's happening in some places. It's sure. not going to go away tomorrow or next week or next month, right.
0: next year. I think that's the that is probably the uh, uh, the one of the difficult things is. Um, I mean, like it, it's it's silly, right? Like for us, like I don't know, like we, we we you and I don't personally have much to deal with, if anything. And we have nothing in the vein of of what's actually going on in the world, uh, except for except for doing the listening and be and understanding and uh, maybe shutting down people that are saying otherwise, because well, that's the only thing that we can do.
1: Well, that's uh, what it, that's what it is, right? Is you know, is going from the point of, I guess, the step that we can all make. If if you don't think you're a bad person, if you think you're a good person, you think that you largely do things right. If you're it's not enough maybe then with what's going on to just get out of the way and not be bad. Mm -hmm. I guess we all have to take a more proactive role in being actively good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I completely agree with that. I was, I was having this conversation the other day of, uh, I won't get into the specifics. Um, but it came down to like, I, 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 my unloading moment was, I just don't understand that if somebody is telling you, that they are uncomfortable or do not like what you are saying. Why would you continue to say it to them? Why mm-hmm. would you can? Why wouldn't you instead have a morsel of empathy and apologize? It takes a big. It, it, it shouldn't. It shouldn't take a big person to apologize. That should be the norm. If you've, in, if you are doing something that somebody's uncomfortable with and they've expressed to you that they're uncomfortable with it, you should apologize and try to understand what you did
1: wrong. Yeah, that's it. I, and. You know, it. I would like to say that every one of those conversations could go with, you know, you say thing that upsets me. I say, please don't say that it upsets me. Mm-hmm. And then you would say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize it would upset you. Why? And then I would tell you why. But mm-hmm. sometimes... The person's not in a position to be able to explain that. Sometimes it's but, so. Well, upsetting. honestly,
0: I don't. I don't. I think the that's 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 actually part of the of the thing that I'm getting at is like I don't need to understand. I don't need to necessarily. Like I, I would prefer to understand the why, but I should just be understanding that it's upsetting
1: to you. Sure, and that's what I'm, I'm saying. It, you know, at bare minimum, you know, quote unquote worst case, simply to be able to say I didn't realize that. I won't do it again, and that can mm-hmm. be enough. You don't have to understand. Just know not to do it again. And like that can, that can, that can be the end of it, you know? Mm -hmm. But if the person is in a, in a place to be able to explain it, actively seek that understanding out. Um, And, you know, where it comes to stuff like that, you know, saying things to people about people, whatever that, you know, they don't like, is it really that hard to not do it? Mm -hmm. That's where I've, I've kind of come to with some of these things, you know, whether or not you choose to quote unquote support, someone for what they're doing or how they feel about a thing. What are you getting out of it to continue to do the thing? Mm -hmm. Like, is it that much of an imposition to just not do the thing?
2: Right.
1: You know, and then I think you'll figure out after about a week or so. Yeah. I'm not really missing anything in my life.
2: Mm Hmm
0: yeah well that's a, that's the biggest thing is like it's it, it's so like why why are you being a dick it does this doesn't concern you this doesn't uh-huh. affect you like why are you why is it because you want to be involved even if it's in a negative light like what is like you need, i don't understand
1: yeah i mean I, that's, I, I, I imagine that's it for some people but
0: i will i'm gonna just tell a quick story uh i'm not gonna no, no names are gonna come into this a friend of mine uh moved away and uh decided that they wanted to go by a, a different name and we were having, we were having a conversation and they explained it to me and I was like, okay. And like, you know, I'll, I can do that. And, but I was immediately over, like, it's fine by me. I was immediately overwhelmed with, are you, like, you're going to catch shit for this for no reason. Yeah. Right. Like, this is just a decision that you are making that you would like to be the way it is. And like, I'm happy to accept it. And honestly, if I didn't, it didn't matter. <laughs> right? Like, this is, this is, you 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 asked me to respect a decision that you're making that, well, that in no way I, affects me.
1: That's what it comes and, to, what I was getting to, right, is what are you getting <laughs> right. not doing what they've asked? Right. What positive is happening in your life to not accept it? Right. And I, and what I was like, I
0: and it's 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 silly like i knew them by the other name and i have occasionally slipped up and immediately correct myself when i realize it and that's all it takes I, and 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 i it it seems that the effort is recognized and appreciated and it's like yeah, that that's really all that's that's what would actually happen
1: it's only natural you know cuz i see that hypothetical thrown out all the time you know mm-hmm. you know oh what if i what if I call someone like that? I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get canceled. I'm like, first of all, you got to be fucking famous to get canceled. <laughs> regular people don't get canceled. Right. Unless you're actively being a dick. Sure. Uh, or, you know, criminally, whatever, you know, abusing people. You don't get canceled if you're a regular person. But furthermore, in the very limited exposure to those situations that I've been in myself or witnessed mm-hmm. myself, if you make an honest to God mistake, and then immediately correct it, you're not going to get in any trouble. It's gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. Just make the effort. Yeah. It's cause it's a bare minimum of effort. What is it is it's affecting what, like three breaths like in your life? Like that's about it, probably. It yeah. a couple of seconds of your time to just simply do your best. And if, like you said, someone you've known for a long time, muscle memory gonna happen you've called that person sure. something you know all the time it'd be you know let's say f- for instance tomorrow you said you no longer wanted to be called anthony you wanted to just be called jeff i'm yeah. probably gonna forget you want to be called jeff i'm gonna because i've known sure. you for the 29 years of my life oh sure and then i'll apologize and i'll call you jeff and it'll, it'll be over yeah.
0: and that'll be it that'll be the end of it lower, and that's how it's...
1: lower stakes than most of the situations we're talking about sure but i think it's a helpful hypothetical in this case oh yeah i,
0: com- I completely agree Uh, it's just, it, it just, I, I was, I thought about that a lot that day afterwards and I was like, Oh, that's all it took. It's no, it's no problem. No, 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 It's like, I'm, I'm not concerned with how I'm responding to it. I'm, I'm going to do what was requested of me because I get (laughs) Even if it didn't, even if it did, even if it did take a little bit of effort, it doesn't take any effort except for maybe remembering one word instead of another, which is like really not. No, it's no effort.
1: Oh, no. I oh, yeah. Take the contact in my phone. But what I, I it, it bothered
0: me for for the rest of the day and it pops into my head here. And I, I was just I just kept thinking about like, I I'm already furious at the people that aren't going to respect this.
2: Yeah.
0: And that bothered me. You know, yeah. and it's still and it's still it it does um and it it bothers then, me more when I slip up that I'm like, ah, like i, I want you to really know that I'm trying, you know, like because it does happen occasionally. I think I've gotten pretty good at it now, um but it, it's still it's just like like and I say uh, I say we all need to to exhibit all you need to do is it is exhibit. A little empathy, and I am saying empathy specifically, not sympathy. I am saying uh-huh. empathy, like you, I, and I, that means it might not mean saying anything. It might mean shutting the fuck up for a second and thinking about it, and trying to understand how somebody else is feeling and be with that feeling for a minute. Yeah, and well, then well, realize how, in this
1: case, like the the barest bit of empathy is you don't have to understand how they're feeling, well, that, just understand that they're feeling, right, and modify your behavior point one percent.
0: In in the appropriate direction,
1: yeah. Change
0: bearing, uh, be better.
1: <laughs> well, I think that was all pretty important. I, know. I I agree. We we walked the line into a little bit like dark should scary cut, stuff.
0: We should cut it out into its own show. <laughs> Put it ahead of this.
1: Maybe. Um, you want to bring things back with some fun and games?
0: Uh, let, yeah. You know what? Let, let's do it. And not to not to diminish this. And it's like honestly, if you're uncomfortable. Maybe pause and just fucking sit with that for a minute, you know, (laughs) just deal. And also, (laughs) because in the grand scheme of things, us being uncomfortable about it is not even remotely close to what other
1: people are dealing. And I think, you know, those changes don't happen overnight. And and that's okay. Like, I, I try not to judge people who are trying. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, even if it's just asking the question, like, hey, I don't get this. Mm-hmm. that's all it takes because you're going to get there eventually and it might not be tomorrow or next week or next month like, but the fact that you're willing to try means two things one, that you're going to get it to whatever extent eventually and two, again whether you're famous or not famous you're not going to get cancelled for trying Like, you <laughs> just try and you're going to realize at the end of that process you'll be a better person and the people around you will be better off and it won't have required anything major of you, other than maybe you're sitting on the train and just sat and thought about it for a while,
0: mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, be better. That's going to be the method. Of, <laughs> that's that's going to be the motto of of the show. That's how we'll sign off. Let's sign off like that from now on. <laughs> hey, uh,
1: that that's a little bit judgy.
0: Be better. <laughs> no, I'll say it to you. You say it to me. <laughs> that's I'm
1: <it>. Anthony Casenza. <laughs> Al, Al
0: be better
1: be better. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Al be like, and say, Anthony, you also be better.
0: <laughs> <It> sounds good. <laughs> All right, uh, Leah, let's do it. Let's get into some fun of games. Let's bring it. In, um, bring it in. Uh, it's not. It's not a. It, it's not a fun topic, but it, it could be a fun quiz. I. Uh, I didn't read the questions, but I think it's ten. It's just games. Uh, what are your chances of survival during an apocalypse?
1: Oh boy. <laughs> You ready for this? Sure, why not?
0: All right. It's sunny. It's a sunny day in Boston, and you're walking along the Freedom Trail when you see a man lying on the ground. It looks like his jaw has rotted away, but he's managed to make some weird sounds. What do you do? I'd ask if he needs help, but he has no jaw to talk. I'll call an ambulance. Walk along. I'll have to. I'll. I'll have to see Quincy Market. Check the news to see if there are any jaw rotting viruses going on. Am I safe? <laughs>
1: Uh, I guess call an ambulance.
0: Okay, fair enough. After you've asked him what to do and went, (laughs) oh, you can't answer that. Uh, You look at your phone to check social media and there are reports of people in New York City with more body rotting symptoms. It doesn't look like anyone else in Boston has been infected yet. What do you plan to do? Head to South Station to take the next train to New York. I have to save these people. (laughs) Walk to North Station and take the train to Maine. I'll be safe from these weird diseases there. Go have a drink near Fenway. The Red Sox are playing tonight. <laughs> I don't know why this is so Boston centric, but we're going to. Yeah, with it.
1: I hate the Red Sox. So it's not going to be that one. Um, I, I guess i am probably head off to Maine.
0: Okay. We're going to head off. off
1: to the pub, have a pint, and wait for this all to blow over.
0: <laughs> Just as you're about to move on from the jawless man, the ambulance arrives. As a thank you, the EMT officer offers to bring you to lunch. Where do what? you tell him to go? What? Boloco on Federal Street? They never had an E. coli problem. As I said, I haven't been to Quincy Market yet. I heard they have lots of food. The food truck's near South Station. I'm not sure if I want tacos or Vietnamese street food. I'm not hungry, but I'll have him drop me off at Whole Foods. I can stock up on nuts. What are you, a squirrel?
1: (laughs) I hate all these options. Why am I letting the EMT take me to lunch?
0: I don't know, but uh, Boloco is a great option.
1: I guess go with that one then. Okay. I, I don't. Like they have
0: music. they have a buffalo chicken burrito that is amazing.
1: <laughs> I already know that this story ends up with me sitting in the back of the ambulance and getting attacked by this jawless man. I don't understand why I've made this. Well, decision. that's question
0: number four. I During the ride over, decision. you ask the EMT what's going on. He tells you there's a flesh eating bacteria that turns its victims into des- into zombies, and there's no known cure. You obviously, you obviously have tons of questions. What's the first thing you ask? Jump what's out go- of the moving <laughs> vehicle. <laughs> what's going to happen to Joel, man? Are you going to kill him? How does the bacteria spread? Alas, it seems the apocalypse is here. Do you want me to survive? Do you, do you want to be my survival buddy? I'm single. <laughs> Am I going to die? Actually, can you take me to Massachusetts Institute of Technology instead? I want to see if they're developing a cure.
1: Um, how many options was that? One, two, three,
0: four, five.
1: Five? Could you run through them again? Because sure. I was a little confused as to where the separation I'll, I'll, try was. To
0: pause. I'll try to pause longer Option number one What's going to happen to Joel's men? Are you going to kill him? Option number two How does the bacteria spread? Option number three Alas, it seems the apocalypse is here Do you want to be my survival buddy? I'm single Option number four Am I going to die? Option number five Actually, can you take me to Massachusetts Institute of Technology? Instead, I want to see if they're developing a cure I'm going to go with two Okay. Yeah, it's just, just give me more information about this ridiculous thing that's happening. Uh, before the EMT can answer your question, the Jolitz man wakes up and attacks. How do, you, how do you defend yourself?
1: You remember how before question four I said this is exactly what was going to happen? Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, option one, grab the nearest blunt object and whack him over the head. Option two, shout at the driver to stop the vehicle and head toward the door. Option three, go through the medical kit on the ambulance and throw whatever chemicals you find at him.
1: <laughs> um... I'm going to go with option one, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've all seen enough zombie movies. We know where this is going. Uh, Question number six. After you've escaped the ambulance, you decide you need to get out of the city now. What kind of wheels would you like to steal? Uh, And then we just have a picture. We have a couple of pictures. We have uh, a bicycle. We have uh, what looks to be an electric BMW. Uh, We have a a Mitsubishi pickup truck. And just just an old beat-up buggy.
1: This is one of those cheap horror movies because I didn't realize that Mitsubishi makes a pickup truck. So this is one of those. Ones neither shot did I. Country. Um, the what the was the BMW? Was it like the i8 or?
0: I think so.
1: Like the sports car one with like the it, gullwing door. It, it's
0: from the front. It's hard. It's kind of hard to figure out, but I think that's what's going on here.
1: The one for Mission Possible Ghost Protocol. Sure.
0: <laughs> that's what it is. Let's just say that that's what it is. Then I'll go
1: with that car. Then why not?
0: Okay. Cool. I was gonna go with the bike on account of gas, but it's um, electric,
1: so there's no gas.
0: Well, on account of running out of gas of, of electric of electricity is what electricity, I was gonna say. Electricity,
1: yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, sorry. It's doing one of those weird quiz things where I click the thing and it scrolls to the top. You know how websites work. Uh, continue the quiz. Question number seven, and you're off you're just outside the city and you find a suitcase on the side of the road. You investigate and find a bunch of weapons, but you only have room for one. What's your tool of defense? Nunchucks? Uh, what looks to be a broadsword? A baseball bat? Or a... It's like a a handheld crossbow. Like, it's not like a a real crossbow. It looks like a gun. Like a handgun with a a crossbow.
1: Challenge? It's a suitcase. I can carry the suitcase. (laughs) Yeah!
0: also how
1: is this broadsword in the suitcase <laughs> also a great question i'm gonna go with the suitcase i suppose i'm gonna go with the broadsword i suppose
0: okay it seems fair. uh it looks like the virus has spread far into new england cars have been abandoned off the interstate and there's not a soul in sight but there is a gas station you decide to loot it what's the one thing you don't leave without
1: wait now i'm a looter
0: now you're looting uh these are some interesting options Iced coffee, M&M's, bottle of water, beef jerky. The one thing you don't leave without. There's only one correct answer here. (laughs) I was going to say beef jerky. No. The bottle of water. You can go longer without the the food. You need the water. All right, Um, beef jerky.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'll be able to find water somewhere in New England.
0: You got everything you needed from the gas station. As you depart, you notice a horde of zombies gathered around a body near a dumpster. What do you do? Option one, approach them and figure out what's so exciting about the body. <laughs> <laughs> option option two, two, silently get into a vehicle and drive off drive off as quickly as possible. Option three, attack the zombie
1: squad. <laughs> um, I'm gonna quietly leave. Yeah, I was gonna say no, you're gonna go to the group and be like, what's going on, guys? <laughs> it's just like that thing where you like you've reach you put your arms up around everyone's shoulders and you like peek over. Yeah. What's going
0: on over there? <laughs> where, where They think they're looking at your dead body? Yeah. <laughs> Question 10. You're 10 miles outside of the gas station and come across a group of uninfected humans. They look safe and you decide to talk to them. It turns out they're scientists from Harvard and MIT and gave up on finding a cure to the zombie, to the zombie disease. What do you say? Option one. Ask them why they would quit. The carelessness led to this. <laughs> Option two. Ask if I could stay with them. We can survive this apocalypse together. Option three, wish them luck in surviving this mess. I don't trust other humans.
1: I'm going to go with option four. Dudes, it's a bacteria. I'm sure we can come up with an antibiotic. <laughs> um, no, I'm going to do the first one. Ask them why they gave up.
0: Okay. Oh, I thought this was only 10 questions. After two days, you and the scientists decide to move on. One of the MIT students plans to go to L.L. Bean to find some camping gear. You mm-hmm. want to go with him. What's your survival item of choice? A mosquito-proof tent, a fur-lined parka, a travel mug, and AM FM radio.
1: Um, I'm going to go with the parka. It gets cold in New England in the winter.
0: That seems like a good option.
1: Uh, for some reason, your phone... Has,
0: <laughs> for some re- This is great. Uh, they realized during this question, I guess we have to pepper in like, that this is just the situation. For some reason, your phone has still worked throughout the apocalypse. You look at your news app and find that the zombie vaccine has been developed. Do you go do you get yourself protected? Of course. No, I don't trust vaccines.
1: Oh, I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like this at all. Cause I am staunchly anti anti vaxxer. <laughs> Rather than say pro Yes. Um I am pro vaccine, but okay. I'm even more anti anti vaxx. Got it. <laughs> Um, but the problem is, I've seen I am legend, right? <laughs> yeah. So
0: that's a good question.
1: I wouldn't be an early adopter of this vaccine. Sure, you're gonna
0: hold back. Op- secret option number three. Hold back.
1: Yeah. See how wait, this
0: plays out. Wait
1: a week or.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna say of course.
1: Okay. Wait. 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 No. I don't know. I don't feel safe. I feel like
0: this is the game. This is like the game breaking thing of whether or not you survive.
1: <laughs> I know this is a trap. <laughs> I feel like I'm being trapped. I feel like Vizini in uh, <laughs> the Princess Bride. You know, on the one. So game, there's I- no way that I can pick the glass in front of me. <laughs> yeah, so if I don't take the vaccine. I'm gonna walk outside the room and I'm gonna immediately get bit by a zombie. So which is why I clearly can't choose to not take the vaccine. But if I <laughs> take the vaccine it's going to turn. Don't into you me. see? is going to be one of those twists where the vaccine wasn't properly developed and I turn into an even more super zombie now. This is why I clearly can't take the option of getting the vaccine.
0: Are you quite... So So you've made your decision.
1: Not even remotely. <laughs> You're All right, stalling. what are you going to go with? you don't really like to think that's <laughs> it. Um, yeah, give me the vaccine.
0: Okay. Last question. How would you rate this quiz? I loved it. It was pretty okay, not great.
1: I'm gonna, despite my, my misgivings about some of it, I'm gonna go with I loved it because it was entertaining.
0: It was it was fun. All right, here we go. I'm gonna hit the show me my results button, which then brings up a loading screen that, uh, as an engineer, I know is unnecessary. And <laughs> wait for it to show. Here we go. Uh, oh, as far as as far as ambiguous quizzes go, you won. Let's put it that way, because it says you're responsible for the survival of the human race. Fuck yeah! Uh, You don't remember how long it's been since the initial zombie outbreak, but you are one of the last humans on Earth. Fortunately, the zombies have all died for good, but you're left with five other people to rebuild the human race. Okay. Uh, Oh, can you you do us a favor and please make sure that coffee is still around? That would be great.
1: I mean... Obviously, if anyone knows anything about me, they know how much I love coffee. So <laughs> I will, after doing my due diligence and doing my moral responsibility to the human race, I will sure. send all of my efforts into repopulate. And then I will become a coffee farmer.
0: <laughs> sounds, sounds good. I, uh, before, so I, I, thought, I thought it was 10 questions because before I scrolled the page rapidly and just like tapped things to see like how quickly it would go through them to make sure that the quiz actually worked. And my main goal was to see if at the end there was something fun that it tells you, because I hate when we do the quiz and it's just a result. Yeah. Uh, So I was rapidly clicking through it and I hit uh, calculate my results and it says you make it six days. (laughs) 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 I thought that was pretty great. See, I thought they
1: trapped me with the vaccine. Yeah. that. No, it turned out. I made the right choices. I mean, generally speaking, Isolationist is the way to go in these things. I think. I mean,
0: based on well, I mean, yeah, present times. Uh, but based on what what was saying there, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that the vaccine didn't work. If it's just you and five other people.
1: No, we the five of us, the six of us got the vaccine.
0: You're the only ones that got it, and they're like, "Wow, everybody else thought this was a prank." <laughs> yeah, good
1: See, for everyone you. Else, everyone else was afraid of that whole. You're gonna get it was.
0: It was something. four scientists, and you showed up, and they were like.
1: All right. <laughs> yeah, what they didn't mention was that I stumbled on the five scientists and they were all women. So they needed to make sure they kept me alive <laughs> so oh my God. that we could preserve humanity. <laughs> like I said, I will do whatever it takes to repopulate the... Uh...
0: And then at the end, we find out that you're infertile and the human race just dies off.
1: <laughs> Guys, I tried. <laughs> it was the damn beef jerky from the gas
0: station. <laughs> You fell on that broadsword and severed something. <laughs> oh, All right. Let's get into our Flick of the Week. The Wandering Earth, released in 2019 with a two-hour and five-minute run time. Here's your IMDb synopsis. As the sun is dying out, people all around the world build giant planet thrusters to move Earth out of its orbit and sail Earth to a new star system. Yet, the 2,500-year journey comes with unexpected dangers. And in order to survive, uh, sorry, and in order to save humanity, a group of young people in this age of a wandering Earth fight hard for the survival of humankind. Uh, that was probably the lengthiest IMDB synopsis we've had in a while. In a while, yeah. Uh, and and the probably the most apt. Uh, the, you know what? I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> Let's do two length reviews. <laughs>
1: Okay, I guess I'll kick us off. Uh, After the initial disorienting shock of watching something with foreign sensibilities, you settle into a very enjoyable, if totally bonkers action flick that could have been made anywhere. Seven out of ten.
0: Okay, okay. (laughs) I said The Wandering Earth is completely bonkers, and a bit too all over the place. However, it makes up for some of these issues with intermittent moments of intense emotion and some bizarre action sequences. Six out of ten. So pretty similar. Uh, we're, we're we're close. We're, I'm sure we'll be a lot going through the. There is that. There is definitely the the getting oriented with uh, just just a different culture of movie making. Yeah, that's, just their their
1: whole like house style is uh-huh. a little different. Um, it's it's funny though because the set design actually, at least for all the interior stuff. I felt like that could have been any action movie, like even an American one, you know what I mean? Which that's the one thing that I tend to expect to be lesser in movies like that. And Mm. and lesser is probably not even fair, but just like dramatically different, I'll say. And I thought it looked really good, and it felt right to what it was trying to do. Some of the outside sequences were a little bit, Different. I mean, the. I think the way they went full, full CGI for a lot of it. That's more where it shows that, like this. Yeah, is for, for sure. I'm,
0: um, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, it is. I just scrolled down real quick to see the budget. Forty-eight million dollar budget. That's opening really. opening weekend. One hundred and eighty million.
1: Well, that's not surprising because it was like an event. It was yeah. like equivalent to like a Star Wars or, or an Avengers like movie like opening, gotcha. uh, like opening and the,
0: the worldwide gross was uh, $699 million, so um, almost 700000000 million
1: I'm surprised the budget was that low I mean I know with Chinese companies they can kind of play fast and loose with math unfortunately so it could have been more and that just makes it like, look better mm. I'm, I'm guessing the, the global receipts are probably pretty accurate the Ver domestic receipts are probably somewhat close to the right answer but again they can kind of play with that sort of thing but still, I mean that's a hell of an achievement
0: yeah well I was gonna say there is a there's <clears throat> very few practical setups in the movie that and a lot of them look like they are repurposed from previous scenes uh which is you know which is good production design Uh yeah. but uh yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of c g uh and and sometimes to the detriment of what's yeah. going on around the- some some of it look great,
1: some of it less so
0: yeah. Yeah, the, you could say like the, the the parts where they like really focused on the budget, and then the parts where they were just like where it was like added in. Yeah, but, uh, it's it's a it's a ride. It's a wild ride. I, will to, let's, I want to dive back into that synopsis for a second, though. Uh, <laughs> it says, "Yet the twenty-five. 25- <laughs> Sorry, uh, uh, gonna giant planet thrusters move Earth out of orbit. Yet the twenty-five hundred year journey comes with unexpected dangers." No shit. Because yeah. when the movie started off and they said it, I was like, "That's a funny concept." What about the everything about it? <laughs> <laughs> and With then
1: some, some. of it they gave us way too much explanation on, and some of it not nearly enough.
0: But, but, the, but like to my to my surprise, and uh, maybe I was not actually, maybe I didn't know what I was asking for, and I was sorely mistaken. They dive into it a couple of times. I'm like, Oh god, <laughs> it really was as bad as it looked. I was like, Wouldn't you take the hundred years? To build a bigger ship? <clears throat> like, something stable that can deal with the situation rather than hurtling this rock out of the solar system? But hey, two each his own.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's probably no ship you can build to shuttle billions of people.
0: Well, it's half the world's population because half died anyway.
1: But it's still 3.5 billion people. Sure. Well, I, I don't know. All that time,
0: if they were able to build... The, I feel like they could have built something. I feel like they could have built multiple ships.
1: Well, the other thing, though, was, remember, they weren't just using the Earth as a ship. Uh, it was the It was the, Earth, it was Earth the rock fuel. And pushing it over there.
0: <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> and so part of that is, we're going to set up shop around another sun, and that is business as usual, usual baby.
0: Mm-hmm. We don't
1: need to adapt to a new planet. We brought ours from home. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> Cause that's the problem uh, with you know creating some giant arc and leaving is you have to adapt to, an planet,
0: which
1: has its own set of circumstances. One, you know, you can have your long range scanners, you know, look for a planet that seems suitable, but it might not be. You have to terraform that planet if it doesn't already have life of its own. If it has life of its own, you might be allergic to all of that life and immediately mm. all die of anaphylactic shock. You sure. Know, you have to deal with you know, microbial life that has adapted in an entirely different atmosphere than yours and will rage through you like a plague, much like the I coronavirus.
0: I feel like, I feel like they should stuff. have built the Titan project, though. You know what I'm saying?
1: Sure. Which kind of, it sounded like, was what the deal with the lead ship was to some Kind extent. of.
0: That was more, the, the lead ship was more Interstellar's plan B.
1: Yeah, well, it kind of felt like it was halfway between because it couldn't create a planet like the Titan could, but it was more robust than the... What,
0: with the library and all? Right. Yeah, than the Interstellar
1: yeah. one was.
0: So. Uh, I will say, I do, I do love a Humankind Tries to Survive
1: movie. Yeah. I That's will so. say, going back, though, for a second, to what you were saying about, yeah. um, like, oh, some explanation. I feel like what the Wandering Earth project was, pretty well laid out. Sure. What all of the engines were, and how they were, what they were supposed to do, and what the timeline on that all was, a little bit less so. Yeah. I didn't even know. Now I don't know if this was something I missed early on or if it wasn't revealed, which I think it was. I, they kept talking about the torque engines, and I was like, yeah. "Not super sure what those do." Until the very end of the movie, when during they they you know they bookended the movie with like the narration of what the Wandering Earth project yeah, yeah. was, which I thought was actually really cool. But at the end is when they said, "Oh, we built these gigantic torque engines on the equator to stop the spin of the Earth," and I was like. Right. Oh, that's what those are for. Right. Because I was wondering the whole
0: time. They, they did They, they did talk about that very early on, uh, the torque engines were fired up to stop the spinning of the Earth first, which is what caused the ridiculous number of tsunamis, which then wiped out half of the population.
1: So I remember them saying that at the end, I don't remember that early on in the movie. I'm not gotcha. sure why I missed that. I must have just been in that fucking text sprint oh that yeah I just it,
0: it was that paragraph that ran along the bottom of the screen <laughs> it was ridiculous uh it, alongside of thrilling music <laughs>
1: yeah, well was it the thrilling music or the thrilling mu- music that continued <laughs>
0: Thrilling Music Continues is great. I also, the, uh, I had, I had a lot of
1: options for things to, like, enter in with. And, like, some that I actually think were ultimately funnier. I was like, no, I got to uh-huh. stick to my guns and go with Thrilling Music Continues. Yeah. And, and I was just hoping that you saw that, too. <laughs> oh,
0: 100%. Between, uh, I, it's funny because it was that and Thrilling Music, the, the continues that shows up was really the best part about that. But, like, uh, I didn't turn, after it was over, I went to bed. And, uh, today I put something on and, the subtitles were still on because of, like the setting on the Roku, it stays on like until you if you if you turn it on like for whatever other apps you're using, you just have to turn it off. And uh, something else came on with music, and it's like it was just like three quarter notes as the as the subtitle, and I was like, "Step your game up! What are you doing?"
1: Thrilling I need music. To I didn't know what sort of music is it. Is yeah. it contemplative music? Is it ominous music. <laughs> ominous music thrilling? was
0: like. Is it dark yeah. ominous tones? <laughs> I, uh, on Maybe. the topic of music, though, uh, an awesome score really goes a long way. Yeah. And the this music in the movie cool. is pretty solid. Yeah. They do a tremendous work with violins, and I yeah. was <laughs> just like, I'm like, I was like, I, I like there were ridiculous things happening on screen. I was like, this is absurd, but I'm. Digging the pace. This is
1: great. <laughs> and, and, and to that point, you know, if we're going to talk about score as part of the whole movie and, and sure. you know the positives of this movie with don't require spoilers. This movie had more heart to it than I was expecting. Like a lot but more th- than that. And
0: exactly in my in my tweet life review, The weird thing about the heart is that it is just dropped in here, dropped in here. <laughs> but what it is, it's to tremendous effect.
1: <laughs> a little bit sudden at times at times. But, um, far deeper than a lot of American action contemporaries, you know what I mean? There's a lot of yeah. action movies that you don't have to ever, like, contemplate your place in the world and life and all that, and, you know, having even a measure of, feel, like, empathy for what's going on with the character, it's said a pretty good amount. I mean, yeah. there was loss, there was, you know, struggle and strife and...
0: Family and community. Yeah. Three, two... Well, <laughs> I'm just gonna leave that there until we get into the spoiler territory. <laughs> um, the movie plays uh, this. I had said in my my tweet length like there that it was like a little. It's it's like all over the place, right? It's very. It seems very sporadic. Uh, I feel like the movie is just like a series of levels in the video game that end in either a boss battle or a puzzle, and <laughs> and they're just stacked because the movie does go, like it is. It's just like no, we're. It's like we're doing this thing now. We're doing this thing. We're doing. uh, We're doing 2001: Space Odyssey. We're doing. They just. It just bounced all over the place. There was even a water level. It was. was, (laughs) Yeah, there was a water level. uh, There was interstellar. There was Independence Day. There was a whole. There was everything. It it had a it,
1: It did feel like it. Like it skewed, like, a three-act structure for more of, like, a vignette thing where it's like, yeah. okay, here's chapter one. Here's yeah. chapter two. Here's yeah. More linear than something than, like, a Kill Bill or, well, really any Tarantino movie for that matter, but um, mm. it, it did feel like it was, you know, it was broken up into more, almost like episodes of a TV show.
0: Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but like, more like, cue the scale. whacked elevator scene. Like, I mean, the, that's, like, that's what we're doing right now. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, without going into specifics, man, people get killed off left and right in this movie at the weirdest times, uh, and you're you're never ready for it because there's
1: no way to prepare. <laughs> well, I think that, that gets more to what I was saying about like you know the like skewing the three act structure, right? Because you would yeah. expect like you know maybe a major death right in the middle of act two or something like that, you know, or sure. transition act two to act three, and and they. They just refuse to, to adhere to that, which honestly is kind of refreshing. I, I don't understand why so many movies have to be told in that way and why sure. it's so, like, such a like a rebellious thing to do otherwise. It's like, we, we are capable of more than yeah. that. We're capable I, I, of better than that. And it's not just playing to the cheap suits. Like it's,
0: no, it's just, it's just what we're used to. And I feel like what happens is you, because we're so used to that three-act structure, when you go to something like this, uh, there was definitely times where I was like, where like, where am I in this movie? Was I, It was a question that I had numerous times, and I was like, I have to run to the bathroom. And I hit pause, and I went, 40 minutes? I was, like, what? I was like, where is this going to go?
1: <laughs> See, I actually, I view it as very refreshing most of the time when it happens, because we watch so many movies. Yeah. It's honestly a drag when it feels like I can tell. I mean, I talk about it all the time on this, this show. Mm-hmm how often I'm like, well, I know exactly how this is going to happen. Like, and I end up getting it like 95% right. And that even comes down to like the timing and pacing. You can almost figure out when these things are going to happen. It's nice to have that expectation.
0: Oh yeah. I I, I, I wasn't saying it as a bad thing. I was just saying like, I was completely disoriented to the point of like, I can't make any guesses.
1: But a lot of times (laughs) people view that disorientation as a negative connotation. Uh, eh. You know what I
0: mean? I keep me on my toes.
1: Like it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't I'm generally not someone who likes change for change's sake. I, I totally love change when the I can see the benefits of that change. Um and in this case, I think that that there's a greater opportunity for fresh storytelling in a movie if you break from that slavishness to the three-act structure. Right. Because then you're f- because they all, no matter you know, if it's a one and a half hour movie or a three hour movie, they all start to feel a little bit the same, even if they're talking about wildly different things, mm-hmm. right? It's just a, it feels like, okay, and now is the time where we begin the next act, and it's like I, right. I, I don't necessarily want to set my watch to that.
0: Yeah, well, that's like, yeah, I completely understand what you're saying. Like, it's a you, you, and your body is like ready for it, right? It's like. We're going to do our, it's like, we're going to do our story, we're going to uh, flesh out some details, and we're going to do some insane conclusion. Again, it, that's how, that's how every like, movie has gotten.
1: <laughs> it feels like shift shock in a car when you're like shifting gears, you know what I mean? yeah, yeah. like, you can like almost, like, set And, and now gears, we're like, doing this. Like, yeah. momentum has stopped, and I'm going to rock, yeah. and okay, now act two is, you know.
0: <laughs> with, with this movie, it was more like, we're going to do the introduction we're gonna flesh out some details and we're gonna have a finale and 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 a finale, and a finale. <laughs> and a finale. And it just and it just kept happening and one was more ridiculous than the other <laughs> and then we had a we, uh, uh, but then we had an ending
1: <laughs> so the whole movie was Lord of the Rings ending,
0: right? Right. What was it? What movie were we doing that suffered from Lord of the Rings beginning? Dune. That was. <laughs> Lord of the Rings beginning. <laughs> That's right. Oh man, uh, you want to dive into some spoilers and get into some favorite moments? Um, yeah. Or you want? Can. All right, let's let, let, let's let's talk a little bit deeper. The veil has been lifted. Uh, just honestly, I don't know that you could really spoil the movie because it was just. It was just a wild experience. You should just watch it, even if you go, even if you make it the rest of the way through this episode without having seen it. Watch it afterwards. It's well, say some of the
1: specifics to the plot of like the nitty gritty of we're getting trapped in Jupiter's atmosphere and we're going to explode the atmosphere and right. You maybe you don't quite see those things coming, but I will say for as much as we've we've kind of highlighted some of the ways it feels a little different a lot of this did feel the same. Like looking back, it's like, Oh yeah. Grandpa was always going to die. Um, dad, probably too. Sure. Everyone else largely survived. And like, that's usually the, the, the grizzled, like cranky veteran who, you know, pisses everyone off and pushes them all away, who then has a change of heart and finds his humanity later on is going to die. Like that's, you know, his redemption arc and all that. So like those things, you know, did feel very conventional for what we're used to. Um, I will say with a movie like this, when you're going to do a big sci-fi epic type of thing, you get, at least for me, I, I think the audience to, to whatever degree should kind of try and mirror this, right? If you're going to have this high concept sci-fi movie, you get one major, we're breaking science, or at least we're asking you to suspend this, right? <laughs> we're
0: breaking science,
1: Yeah. Sure. I'm not an astrophysicist, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> um, no, I've taken many college-level like science and physics courses, so I have sure. at least a rudimentary baseline knowledge. I don't know what your mileage on that is. I'm it feels pretty like much with you. When we've talked about these sorts of things, I tend to get into those nitty-gritty a little bit more than you do. I don't know if it's because I know more about those things specifically or it's just that I have more of an attachment to them than you do.
2: Huh?
1: Um so, when you're going to start me right off and say, we built engines on the plane. <laughs> Stop the spin. We're going <laughs> to blast it away. Uh-huh. Okay, why not? Like, we're in your future 100 years from now. We're <gasps> going to do this thing. I'll give you that. We'll just do it on what, the front end.
0: That, it's funny that it's funny that you say that. You're going to that was the first thing that made me just go I like immediately like it was a gut it was just a gut reaction. I just I said out loud to no one because I was watching the movie by myself. What about the waves though? And then, <laughs> and then they answered that question and they showed families, just
1: numerous families underwater. <laughs> yeah, Frozen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and they actually did do a pretty good job, I think, of answering some of those questions. along the Oh way. yeah, they, no. not, I don't remember what it was now, but I, I had one specific question. I was like, "We're really just gonna," and it almost felt like "retcon" is not the right word, right? Because it's within the movie, it's intra, <laughs> but the, at one point it was like, "I feel like you're doing this now because someone along the way of the script realized I think we might have missed something back there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just deal with it then, rather than rewrite the whole thing. We'll just yeah. throw something and." That's fine. future you writer's know, problem. <laughs> yeah, no, it's within the same movie, so okay, fine, you know, we just we just didn't say it then, and we're saying it now, and it's okay. But, like, I'm totally willing to just suspend the... Di- Listen, the way, like, our current understanding of, like, physics and science and, like, material science, work, science works now, there's literally no possible way that we could make a stable engine, and a situation just in general, of how we could push the Earth Well, anywhere, like even a foot, let alone 4.5 light years.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: There's just no way to do it. Uh, We don't have the technology. We won't have the technology in a thousand years, let alone a hundred. And I think there's probably hard constraints on like the amount of fuel it would take to do it, even if we could find an efficient enough way to create such an engine. Rocks. Yeah, which that's the least efficient thing you can burn. I, I never really understood that at all when they were doing the movie. So it's just another one of those things where you have to say, okay, fine.
0: when they when they said that, I went whatever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, i just I I was always a little confused on just what in general a lighter core is specifically, sure. uh, but whatever. Like you it's
0: said, the omega thirteen mean, device.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so uh, the, if, even if you could come up with the efficiency part of it, right? Like whatever, mm-hmm. like f- the amount of fuel it would take to push the earth away from wherever it is at any given point would eventually destroy the earth because of the amount of fuel consumed would be greater than the amount of fuel that the earth has and it's Mm -hmm. not being replenished by anything so the earth is ultimately just going to crack and disintegrate because you know you used all the filling all the juicy goodness inside (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> the, the, the one way they could have went around this is if they figured out some sort of mechanic where they harness the energy of the sun that was about to engulf them.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and it's actually something, you know, and I you know I've brought it up on the show, you know, a multitude of times, but like Mass Effect Andromeda had a pretty good solution to this sort of thing. If we're going to, you know, again, suspend disbelief for the sci-fi aspect yeah, yeah, yeah. of this, you know, you get the one central technology. That you're gonna bullshit and like and everything that's that spins off from that, right? So mm-hmm. Mass Effect, they have the Mass Effect Element Zero, fictional substance, electrify it, it can change the mass, which break, which helps to break the E equals MC squared equation that governs the universe as we understand it right now. Is why we can't ever even approach light speed limit and get there because the amount of energy required to move a given mass is impossible to achieve to reach, you know. The, the speed of light squared. Um, mm-hmm. But if you change the mass of the thing, the mass effect, you can do so. But even still, they have those specific devices, the mass relays that fling these ships faster <laughs> than conventional, faster than light travel would go. Right. And so in Mass Effect Andromeda, as they're not using a relay, they use conventional FTL. They created a technology, one of the things from the very first game, so it's not actually any sort of retcon, it's an evolving of the technology introduced in the game is static discharge is an important part of you know the engines that they use. So they created a technology that allows them to re-harness some of that static electricity to use it to continue to propel them while they're on the journey through space. It's I like regenerative that's, braking. <laughs> well it's it's I mean it's basically like well I was gonna say it's more like isn't that what a turbocharger or a supercharger one of those does? Doesn't it reclaim exhaust and and Use part of it as part of the. the, I
0: think I think that's how maybe that's how a turbo works.
1: Yeah, I think that's how it is. So it's essentially you know a a scaled up version of that. So you know what? Fair enough. I I like that ingenuity. Like, oh, let's take real life stuff and we'll craft it onto the thing that we have, and it. What 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 movie is it? I'm gonna science the shit out of it. (laughs) Uh, That was The Martian. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, getting back to my original point on this, we made Earth engines. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't work. <laughs> Doesn't work in real life, but that's your one. Like, that's your thing. You can have
0: it. Everybody gets one.
1: Everybody gets one. <laughs> Make it a good one, right? Make it your central plot device, and I'm... i give it to you. We'll we'll do it. It'll be fun. We'll have fun with it, right? You
0: go, I don't know about it, but they're like, but look at these beautiful scenes we're going to make with
1: it. Yeah, and there was some. There were some really cool scenes of, like, you know, the Earth and Jupiter and the Sun from like, out of space. Like, I I really did appreciate them. What I don't love is then when you've used your one, and they they picked a good one to use, right? And then you start breaking shit later with physics, too. I was like, no, no, you had your one. I'm mm-hmm. doing that now because <laughs> now it's yeah. when it starts a nitpick, you know. <laughs> yeah, because because the gravitational spike of Jupiter, no, <laughs> the gravity of Jupiter is always what it is. It doesn't change.
0: Gravity uh, of
1: any planet is always what it
0: is. So, okay, there was a couple things like that that came up that I wasn't certain if it was just the translation.
1: Okay, so I didn't. Watch I think that. it
0: was. I think it was like more like gravitational pull, and they they've entered it.
1: Well, they did that, but it was after a gravitational spike of was seven and a half percent or something like that.
0: I thought that was like breaking that thread. I, I I was I was willing to brush that off, assuming that spike was just not the word that they meant.
1: Yeah, and in I, the I think there were a couple of times where there was I won't say there was translation issues, but just like like weirdness, mm-hmm. like uh, when they're talking about Moss, the computer. Mm. There was an insubordination. I was like, that's not how Americans speak. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> but like, it's not wrong what they said. It's just not how we would phrase it. You know what right. I mean? And mm-hmm. so like, that's, that's fine. Like that's going to happen. I don't think there's any other way to construe gravitational spike because then eventually you're right. They got caught in the gravitational pull, but that's as a result of their calculations being off because there was a sudden spike in the gravity of the planet. Cause that actually is real. We can go back to Armageddon, right? Using the slingshot effect of, oh my you know, god, you're rocketing around a heavenly body to get additional acceleration right. beyond what your conventional means are. It's a thing that all sci-fi has kind of adjusted to and used at some point now since then. And it's a real thing. That's how we really would do things. That's how a proposed flight to Mars would work. We would fling our, our rocket ship at the moon. You would zip around the moon. Back to Earth, and then you would zip around Earth and fling you crazy freaking fast at Mars. <laughs> that's how it works. So totally on board with that proposed plan. Shit, sure. what I'm not totally on board with is the mass of Jupiter suddenly increasing for no reason because that's sure. not how planets work.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, I, that, yeah, that's fair.
1: And. and <laughs> conjunction with that, once we've then grabbed onto Earth and we're sucking the atmosphere out, which actually I had never thought of, and I was like, you know what? I don't know if that's real or not, but from the distance it's at and how long it's going to take for the orbit to decay, okay, why not? I guess it could happen, you know? It looks cool. <laughs> and, well, and it did look cool. That was, that was some of the coolest, most beautiful shots, you know? But the thing is, I, I don't see why that something like that couldn't happen, because it was going to be a gradual process, right? uh uh-huh. um, That being said, I feel less like safe on the let's just fire the plasma at the oxygen that's mixing with the gas to lend it on to light Jupiter on fire. Right. Uh Jupiter is a lot bigger than Earth. A uh-huh. lot. Yeah. I don't believe that you can light and, Jupiter and, and on fire. And Archer
0: slaps the, the lighter out of your hand.
1: What are you doing? God damn it the helium. <laughs> <laughs> One of the great episodes of television history.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, my, my, when they said that they were going to ignite Jupiter, I was like, that's going to blow you up. <laughs> if this well, is the thing that we're going to go with, that's going to blow you up. <laughs> the
1: thing is, like, to, to whatever extent, that's what they wanted, right? It, it has huh? an explosion to shake Earth away from Jupiter. Now, I... Did they ever explain, and I will confess, I did fall asleep for about seven minutes in this movie, and I, do, I just didn't care to rewind. I, think I, had what was going on. I had the gist of what was going on, and I was enjoying the movie. It wasn't because yeah, yeah. It was just like I felt like the crunch of time against me. Um, <laughs> it was the events leading directly up to when the grandfather died. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little confused as to why they were going down that elevator shaft, and I just, like I said, I didn't know. I was honestly afraid. They
0: were going up the elevator shaft.
1: Well, whatever. It <laughs> like they
0: were going down. They were taking the lighter core somewhere. Yes. They were down on the ground. Okay. They needed to go up.
1: All I know is that the rest of them were up at the top, so I assumed yes. they were going down.
0: No, no. They, <laughs> the, the rest of them got up at the top miraculously fast. And then one of them well, unhinged his Gatling gun
1: to rip open the wall. <laughs> Steve Buscemi style. Yeah. And, uh, Ooh, actually, I think like that's a Brad Pitt style, right? Because he's the one who tore open the side of the ship in Armageddon with the machine when they drove through it after they crashed the ship in Armageddon. Mm, I don't remember. The, was it the Freedom and the Enterprise? Was that what it was? No, not the Enterprise. The Freedom and the... Whatever it is in, in Armageddon. One of them crashes, one of them lands, right? The one with, with Brad Pitt and my Clark Duncan and um, the Swedish guy playing the Russian guy whose name I can't think of. Uh, Peter Stormare and Owen Wilson's fucked up face in, and that's not. Are a you, you are you saying Brad Pitt? I say Brad Pitt, and I meant Ben Affleck, and you know that. Okay.
0: Yeah. No, I didn't know that. I was like, I was talking about Armageddon. God, damn it. I know I
1: was like, did hey, I say Brad I, Pitt? I, I thought it was ben ben like
0: Affleck. crazy. I thought it was like one of those executive decision things where like the name is there, but you're in the mood for two minutes.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. Um, no. Armageddon. Ben Affleck. Okay. Obviously. Cool. Um. <laughs> they they when they they figure out that the rover is still functional they have to f- drive it out of the right. shell of the crash ship and they use the minigun to trace a big hole in the that's right drive that's right okay. i was thinking of the the more famous scene with the machine gun that was is, is steve buscemi firing it off into the thing when he's got the I don't actually the space craziness. I don't space. The, he's got the space crazies. He's got the the space crazies. I don't yeah. know if they ever actually said what it was, but <laughs> space dementia wasn't it? Space dementia. They did have a oh, name for
0: it. they had a name for it. I don't even remember.
1: They did. I couldn't remember what it was. I All think I'm getting out of
0: this is I need to watch Armageddon stat.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a phenomenal bad movie. Oh, it's um, a good decision. But uh, anyway, back to to what I was saying. Um, yeah, I, did they ever explain? What caused the earthquakes,
0: Uh, or was it just the gravitational spike? I thought it was that the engines failed, and like the the abrupt change in everything caused the earthquakes.
1: Okay, see, I was, and that was right. That was you know a little while, obviously before I fell asleep, but I was a little bit tired. I, I I had wondered when I was watching it, and again there was a lot going on, so I was just having trouble keeping up with the text. If the earthquake caused the engines to turn off, and not the other way around. Like it seems like you took it the other way around. Uh,
0: yeah, well, I say that now, but I don't fully remember or know that it was clearly explained.
1: Honestly, not that big of a deal. Like it's that's... definitely,
0: you know, what it was. It was. It was the gravitational spike. Let's just go with that. Uh, which I—that's going to be the answer for everything going it, forward. It
1: seems reasonable, all things considered. Um, yep. it, as reasonable as the gravitational spike can be in this sure. case. Um, which sure. Is, It can't be, but... Which is not. (laughs) Which is not. But if we're going to say that's a thing, then it makes sense. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, yeah, if if that relatively tame interaction with planet-to-planet happened and was going to, like, break the Earth, I'm pretty sure igniting a planet, like, a hundred times bigger than it and blowing yourself up away from it would also break Earth in half. Well, uh, uh, okay, I'm a
0: hundred percent with you, especially with the concept of they were talking about. Like first, what they were showing you was that Earth was going; they they're off course. Earth is going to collide with Jupiter. Mm-hmm. Then they said that it's not really that it's going to collide with Jupiter. It's to say that it's going to get so close that it's going to disintegrate because Jupiter is going to pull it apart.
1: Yeah, and I, then mean, I was like, both if, of those things are kind of true at the same if time. If
0: Jupiter's going to pull it apart while it's passing by, if you were to blow Jupiter up, it is going to explode Earth in the way that the sun was going to.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just... It's... Essentially, they were trying to propel the Earth away from the Jupiter with fireworks? That's... Yes. Like, let's just create an explosion It's going to push it away. Yeah. Which Push. Just, uh, yeah. Oh, push. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like, okay, so if you want to say all combustion engines are doing that to some degree or other, fine, but not exactly. (laughs) This is literally an explosive charge, like a shaped charge that's going to propel it away, which, Mm -hmm. like, that force has to be directed through the planet. (laughs) Yeah, right. We've already chewed up a lot of, like, the crust and mantle of this planet to, like, Mm -hmm. light it on fire already, I guess. Right um so it doesn't feel like it's super stable from a structural standpoint and also like the gravitational pull of jupiter it is pulling it apart which will cause it to disintegrate like that that part if mm-hmm. they actually got right sure
0: well you know you know it's funny uh yeah you uh, you talk about the crust of the earth was already we are already we were we were devouring it basically the power of these engines uh which the planet's not going to exist by the time we get where we're going that's more yeah 2500 um,
1: years feels like too long Although right. unless,
0: unless we don't need to feed the engines after we've slingshotted, which is... Well, that's
1: that's the thing, I think, is after you've picked your destination and you've charted that course, you should stop the engines because you're right. just going to keep a fixed speed. And it actually makes sense because eventually you have to fire the engines back up the other way to decelerate, right. which they... they which,
0: at at which point the earth will just crumble into pieces.
1: <laughs> but that's probably true too. regardless also, remember we've chewed up a bunch of earth to create this propulsion so the earth will be skinnier it'll be lighter well
0: than the, uh, that's that's fair uh, and actually this is kind of the point that I was getting to is we they they glossed over something pretty traumatic that happened uh like like and I mean glossed over it they mentioned it and then they moved on with their mission to go somewhere else but one of the cities they were traveling to dying. was engulfed in magma <laughs> <laughs> <Liquid heart nightmare. laughs> to which I said, ah, the core of the earth is coming through because we've chipped away so much at the surface. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I think what each of those cities had like millions of people in it. Oh yeah. And uh, I was just like, <laughs> we're just, and we're just not, <laughs> we're just not dealing with this. Not talking about, it. we're just like, Oh shucks. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then they moved on to the next thing.
1: Cruel calculus of war
0: yeah uh I, I you so you watched half the movie with subtitles and half the movie dubbed right correct um I think this happened towards the end of the movie, so you might not have experienced it the same way that I did <laughs> but towards the end of the movie, there were random lines in english
1: um which lines
0: random things were said in English there was a couple of curses and like funny statements that were made uh specifically by tim uh <laughs>
1: Well, I guess Ooh. it's plausible for Tim because he was half Australian.
0: Right. Uh, which, uh, one of my questions for the group, I have, I have a section in my notes called Questions for the Group. And, and one of them is just, what's the deal with Tim? Because <laughs> what a bizarre character.
1: <laughs> Tim was the token white guy in a movie that, well, actually did have one white guy. It's a little weird. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Chinese-made movie that it would be so China-centric. I, I was a little. Sure. I mean, and there was little nods to it, like early in the movie, and and the, like the middle movie, right where it's the talking to the UEG, and it's different races with different, you know, yeah. different countries, different nationalities, different languages, and it's like okay, like that's your nod to the fact that this is actually a global coalition. But you would have thought, for the amount of time they spent, that they probably would have homogenized a little bit more. But mm-hmm. like, that might be like. Two or three people who aren't like Chinese, instead of just one random Russian guy and one half Chinese, half Australian guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, my other note, which was just uh, something that took me by surprise and I adored it, uh, was the uh, the Russian cosmonaut speaking Chinese in a Russian accent. Blew me. Away, it's just <laughs> not something that I have heard before, and I just thought it was so cool. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, because you think of like Americans speaking like Chinese in an American accent, or right. Chinese speaking English in a Chinese accent, right? And the many, many other people we meet from other countries who speak English with their, their accent. Ac- we right. don't think of oh, what does it sound like for a <laughs> speaking Chinese? What does it sound like for you know a guy from? australia to be speaking spanish you know what i mean like stuff right. like and, that
0: and every time he was on screen al it was a delight and i mean a <laughs> true delight especially when he yelled something about being a russian cosmonaut as he dove out of the spaceship <laughs> what did he say he yeah, has a great line i can't remember what it was
1: i don't remember he did you have can't... a couple of good lines
0: uh that was a uh, he he met his untimely demise
1: yeah i felt well he was a little confusing to me in those last two scenes of his because he went, he kept ping ponging back and forth between "I'm a Russian badass" and "I just want to go home," which was really yeah. confusing for me to yeah, keep yeah. track of what particular emotion that he had at any given time. <laughs> right. Um. Uh, wait, wait. Can we talk about my favorite? One of my favorite. parts? Yeah. What's movies? your
0: favorite part? What's your favorite I moment? I
1: put as my favorite part here. Roots are countless. Safety is foremost. <laughs> Unregulated driving. Your loved ones may end up in tears.
0: (laughs) I honestly, I was just prepared for you to open the show with that.
1: That was one of my candidates, but the thrilling music continues. It's so toxic. That is the most threatening safety warning I've ever heard. (laughs) Like, follow the rules. Or your family is going to be fucking miserable. Like,
2: what a threat!
1: Yeah. Like, you know, every once in a while you see the people who put up like the joke sign, you know what I mean? Like, trespass. You know, there's that one that, that that's always made the round of your trespassers will be shot, survivors will be shot again. And yeah. Like, okay. Like, that's you being a dick who wants to enforce his private property or whatever. Like, it's not the same as your company or your government, like, telling you <laughs> how to do Like, could you imagine OSHA putting that warning up, like, in like a warehouse? You know what I mean?
0: It should be. It's great. It's a real motivator.
1: Also, I'm not entirely sure what the whole roots are countless thing was supposed to mean. Like, I, like the safety's foremost. Got it. You know, unregulated driving, super dangerous. If, if you know, if you fuck it up, you're gonna die, and or your family's gonna be punished. Okay, I understand it. Don't approve, but I understand it. What is the roots are countless thing? You mean? I don't know. <laughs> I I got
0: something like it, you like. There's because like there's no like real roads. So maybe like that you could go anywhere, and like that's like a a power that like a, that you have to be. Cautious with, I guess. I don't know. I, mean, I think we're looking too far into it. Sure, no, uh,
1: I, it wasn't. It wasn't about like, yeah. <laughs> picking. Like it wasn't about sure. picking whatever. I'm like genuinely asking. Like I'm not entirely sure what that means.
0: <laughs> so uh, my favorite moment is the explanation of how they're going to pull off the plasma burst. They're in the truck, and the one guy with his computer. Uh, unfortunately, uh, this, we're going This is how I'm gonna have to talk about the movie. I don't know any of the characters' names. I attempted to put them through a pronunciation thing online and I I was just not
1: having any luck. I know two names for sure. Okay. There was and it's gonna sound ever so slightly insensitive slash borderline racist, and I I didn't have this issue with any of the other names. Okay. But I wanted to laugh every time someone said Lee Yee Yee. Uh because Who wait, who was that? That was the Scientist guy that they meet up with later with the glasses, the one who comes up with the whole plan was doing. Oh,
0: everything. okay. So the one, the guy who I'm talking about. That, that yeah, his is, name is was Lee Yee Yee and when Lee. they said his name okay. fast,
1: it sounded like someone was giggling.
0: Okay, <laughs> okay. And that it.
1: was why, because the only name I had any issue with in that way, shape, or form, like because otherwise, like I have no issues with that at all. But like someone, like said, like a couple times, someone was like Lee Yee and it sounded like someone was like, like yeah. giggling or something like that. Uh, the other one was the girl was, I believe, Han Duo Duo.
0: Yeah, uh, that's the other one that I kept saying Duo Duo just because I couldn't really hear what like what was. I, I was, the other thing was I I actually like had the American volume really line. low because I, I knew I wasn't gonna be able to understand it anyway, so I just had the subtitles on, so I I, I didn't and really hear them say anything.
1: That's one of those things where it's. Um, with American English, we tend to put the emphasis on the first syllable in almost every word, whereas in a lot of other languages, they put it last or second to last. Mm-hmm. So that's the only like. It, it, you, I mean, you're not. It's not like you're far off. You basically have it right. Duo, duo, mm. duo, duo. Like it's, it's essentially the same.
0: Yeah. Okay. What was the main? What's the protagonist saying? <sighs> I forget.
1: Um, uh, I do you know how to? Thing.
0: Do you know how to pronounce "qi"?
1: Oh. <sighs> When it's just... Oh, yeah, so, so I thought it was Lou, right? Yeah, that's, so... but
0: uh, well, that's the surname.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think it was just, like, Lou Key. Okay. Well, they were yeah, calling so him Lou, The, thought I thought the father, Ruby, right? The father was Lou P. Kang.
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um,
1: the one I was never 100% sure of what the one's name was, was what was the captain's name?
0: You're asking me. I was just the one asking you about all the other main... Character names—I have no idea.
1: Well, I was hoping that you'd be able to. uh, You're obviously looking at the cast list and asking me about pronunciation. I was just wondering Uh if you could point me to the correct name.
0: Oh, gotcha. Uh, No,
1: (laughs) it's okay. Um, I was just yeah. There was a few of them that I kind of just lost track of, or like I kind of like had them in them because I was not watching it actively. Like I turned it off. Yeah. Well, for one, uh, with <clears throat> watching it with the dub, they didn't put the names up anymore because like sure. the names eventually got confusing. Where it's like I'm not entirely sure who's saying what. And now I'm like I thought I had all the names straight, and now I don't anymore, and right. then I just totally forgot them. Watching the final like 45 minutes without like without the uh, the dubs or without the subtitles because it was dubbed over. But uh, yeah, I mean it, it's fine. Like you know, mm-hmm. it, it was at least you you put the the kind of the roles to the faces. Like that's the more important part, I guess.
0: All right. Well, well, when Lee is, is given the plan and uh, he, he goes with this whole ridiculous plan and then he goes, any questions, and they all raise their hands and he just turns around.
1: I, yeah. I, <laughs> it was hysterical. <laughs> he had a couple of funny moments like that where it's like, it's just one of those very obvious disconnects, like where like he just doesn't get how other people are. <laughs> right. um, there was another line that, that cracked me up. And they used it a couple of times. It was another one of the ones. Actually, that was what. Remember, I told you I was trying to come up with a, a name for the Zencaster.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, it was too many, um, too many uh, characters. He said, when when he first gets into the transporter, and he says, turns to the sister, and he goes, you know, she says, do you even know how to do this or whatever, and, and he goes, he goes, I'm a genius for even getting this thing moving or something. like yeah. that.
2: <laughs>
0: He said he said, you know I'm a genius so many times to her this...
1: yeah he was like, what it's supposed to be like five years of training or whatever like that he goes he goes I'm a genius for getting able to, to get this thing moving
0: uh do you have uh, some moments that you would call out as your least favorite?
1: um there, there was a couple of times where like things were it just it felt like they were kind of a one-off that didn't really fit in with what was going on. Like I appreciated, I think if they were going to do it, I wish they would have given us more about what was going on, on the ship to get a better context for what that work environment was like and why, Mm -hmm. like what specifically they were like, I get like they were the navigation, but I don't know what that means exactly from the perspective of like what they were doing for the planet, like why they needed to be on a ship and why they couldn't have just been on the planet to begin with. I mean, yeah. the, the answer ends up being because they were this secondary, um, like procedure, like the backup, like so they could leave with the embryos or whatever. Well, they were the primary,
0: it turns out. But uh, the they they said something along the lines of like it was like a diagnostics check about of everything that's in front of the path of Earth, so that they could either intercept or make some changes if necessary. It sounded like,
1: but then they don't.
0: Well, that's what it was. That's what the people were told. But at the end, what what when you find out that the uh, that Earth is going to crash into Jupiter, the machine says that the they've they already knew that it wasn't going to work. So like they weren't actually reporting corrected information back to the planet.
1: Was that what they said? Because I thought the whole point was that once they figured out that. it sounds like you are saying, like that they never intended for the Earth to survive.
0: The yeah, the, the machine and whatever form, like whatever government at the top, it's the, was, yeah, the UEG, was, the
1: United Earth Government. They were the
0: they were uh, intentionally misinforming the rest of the planet.
1: I see. I didn't get that from this. I, I know that the rest of the planet wasn't informed of the contingency plan. Mm-hmm. What it sounded like was that. They always wanted the plan to work, but that when they met a situation that they couldn't correct for, they just strung them along until it was too late, and then they were going to piece out. Uh, and yeah, well, they 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 never
0: revealed their hand, but the machine says something. I, it's towards the end of the movie. It's it's towards like the like it's closer to the finale that there was. Uh, they they knew that it wasn't going to work a long long time ago.
1: Really? Because I yeah. thought it was just that. I thought it was just that when the gravitational spike no. happened, that they just like, sat on that information, so no one panicked and no one tried. It, it to was
0: like, it was something a little like it was like a one in a million shot that it would actually make it around Jupiter or something like that.
1: Okay, I mean like that was true to some extent, but like but it seemed like in general though they they legitimately crunched all the numbers and just said eh, it's not going to work. So why even try? Which that's classic computer logic and that's uh-huh. fine but it, it felt like in that moment it was like well we tried not gonna work you know what i mean like it never yeah. felt like it was always set up to fail at least that was not my perception of it.
0: it it was i think that was from what i from what i got out of it that was the that was the message and it made it more sinister which i thought was kind of cool it was like the, the robot seemed like the ai seemed a little bit more interesting in that light uh one thing that actually I listed here as least favorite moments, though, is uh, I just felt like there was a lot of giving up real early. <laughs> like like when <laughs> they get that, that lighter core up that elevator shaft, and that takes forever. Um, people are mad. Things happen. People died. I understand. Uh, then they are getting towards the city, and the city is under magma. And then the one officer in the like rescue group just starts shooting the lighter core. And I'm like, I don't, I didn't get, like, I didn't get any sort of like the emotional or relationship side that she had with the rest of the team. And it just felt very out there. Like, why would you do this at all? (laughs) It just seems like this seems like some sort of useful piece of tech, whether you can use it in this situation that it was originally
1: intended for or somewhere else. It seems pretty important. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the decision I would make, but the point was that this guy was out of control, and she was basically like, the only way you're going to be reined back in is if we make it very clear to you that that you won't be able to continue to strong-arm us, and the reason you won't be able to continue to strong-arm us is we've eliminated your motivation. We've destroyed Mm -hmm. the thing. Now, short-sighted,
0: but I, oh, I, you know what? It, the other thing is, I think. Were you watching this part of the movie dubbed or no?
1: No, this was. I still was watching with uh, subtitles. Oh,
0: because I was going to say, like, this stuff. It was moving so quickly that I didn't actually. I didn't. I, I understand what you're saying, and that makes sense. I didn't get any of that. I didn't. Yeah, get I it.
1: thought that was pretty obvious that he was just. He had gotten very. He always was very Machiavellian in his pursuit of this, which. When you consider what his role was, I don't. That's not his fault, really. I mean, you could ask him to maybe dial it back ten percent, but his- I would.
0: I, I would. I disagree. I, I don't think he should dial it back at all, only because of like how dire the situation was that we we're in.
1: Sure. Well, I guess when I say dial back, like an iota of empathy for the kid's grandfather dying. Like you mm-hmm. know, what I mean, like just like you're not going to stop the mission, obviously. But uh, yes, I'm very sorry that your grandfather died. Not shut the fuck up. You know, you know what I mean. Like, like there's a there's a different way to have that conversation. And you know, he's pushing these people, and not all of them trained. Obviously, Tim and the two you know, the two were, were were not trained for this. So, you know, the grandfather was trained a bit for it, right? Because he was actually trained how to drive the the transporter. But you know, he's pushing them beyond what they can handle. Which you know, you could say the situation is dire enough where they should, hmm. but it's not only is he pushing people what they could pass with, he's literally causing deaths. And it's like a question of like, well, were those people dying in the service of the cause or are they just dying because they can't keep up because they never like trained for this? You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like it wasn't, I I, I, I got you. The grandfather didn't really die a heroic sacrifice, you know?
0: No, no. Um, I did remember during that, that one of the lines that is in English is uh, towards the end of the movie when tim has the rope that is around the protagonist and he jumps down and to, to make it pull him out faster he yells fuck this shit <laughs> in english when he jumps <laughs> down and i was like that i was like what a character <laughs> i don't i just like like you are the first of this character. I don't even understand you at all. <laughs> You're so ridiculous.
1: The really funny thing was. With the dub. Oh my god. He has the douchiest. Most stereotypical like. Surfer dude voice. Does he really? It's obnoxious. It's obnoxious. <laughs> oh, man, I kind of want to <laughs> rewatch it dubbed. Uh, I mean this is the type of movie. I would check it out again eventually. Like yeah. I, I don't need it right now. But I was it was an enjoyable movie. It was ridiculous.
0: Oh yeah. Well, it was absurd. Um Let's see what I got here. Oh, well. Okay, so one thing that really bothered, me, not really bothered me, but like, there is a there is a calculation side to this, and then it's like, the concept of taking. First off, how many people were on the space station, and are the rest were the rest of them dead?
1: I am assuming they're all dead, or a lot of them, because, well, yeah, they said something right, when, when the two of them were, were trying to crawl up the ship or whatever, didn't he say, like, there are other spaces? They,
0: they did, but they specifically pointed out where it was happening, and it, it looked like there was, like, so many of those chambers, and just maybe one or two other ones were in the same boat as them. Which okay. made, which got me thinking that, like, on the rest of that ship, it seems like there's like a, actually a pretty significant number of people that I would, have, under the assumption, are still in, sort of, Hibernation or cryo sleep or whatever it was that they were in, okay. uh, which he drove he independence day into the plasma <laughs> blessed, <laughs> um which I was like, oh, like I understand like the concept of like yeah like you know the your attachment to your family and uh thinking that this this could potentially work like it it could potentially work, but you are the contingency yeah. <laughs> so, like I don't like I, I don't know how we went from like I they, they said like if it's like just rebuilding it it's not like rebuilding it. it's kind of like Asgard is the people right like it's not <laughs> right so like rebuilding it is not the same thing as, as as helping them survive but I was just like there's a the, the equation is off here like you, you should not be flying the ship to explode <laughs> oh
1: yeah well, I thought it was kind of a cool line, too, when the, whichever member of the UEG was like, you know, as a member of the UEG, I cannot possibly yeah, authorize yeah. you to do this, but as a private citizen, I can broadcast the call, and any other private citizen can choose to do with that information what they yeah, want. I liked
0: that. Yeah, that was cool. That
1: was kind of a, a nice, like, poignant <laughs> that moment. That was like an
0: epic, epic scene. Yeah. The rally cry.
1: I did like the call and response of, you know, her making the call. And them all listening, and you can see the the tide turning for a lot or most of them, and but there's no like call back, and she's like, she finishes talking, and she's like, what, what do I, what do I do now? And she like runs over to help them move the thing, and I'm like, yeah, and then all of a sudden, all the people started showing up, and there's a moment of recognition on her face, like, oh my god, they did hear me, like, yeah, that is, yeah, I thought <laughs> it was really cool. Um, uh, there was there was there was a handful of, of things like that, you know, we mentioned. Like the emotional heart of it, like you know, the stuff with him and the the, the father. Mm-hmm. I wish they had given a little bit more into like the D, de- like evolution of their relationship over time. Where like,
0: yeah, it, it felt unwarranted. The animosity uh, that the protagonist has for just anybody seemed like there there wasn't. I mean, I, I like there's things there that you can guess and piece between, but you're not given any of it, so it's a little
1: weird. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have a problem with them setting it up the way they did. I just wish there would have been a little bit more, like, you know... It didn't have to go to the full lengths that Interstellar did, but I kind of liked that you see, like, the progression of the, the video calls being left. Mm-hmm. As they get more... As she gets more and more frustrated, or he was... I guess both, right? they get more and more frustrated as time goes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh... I will say one thing that was... I'm glad they they cleared it up. Maybe they took a little too long to do it because I was very confused. But the constant, you'll get, you know, you'll see your son soon enough. You'll get to be with your son. And this whole time I'm like, what about son that th- that that boy has a sister i was like what i was like what about your daughter and then when they explained that i was like this is actually a really heartfelt and awesome piece of the story i'm glad that they went there
1: <laughs> yeah it was and that was one of the times where that that detour really served like the world building in this sort of yeah. like situation but yeah i was thrown for a while about that too because like eventually we have to get some sort of answer to this right or is it some <laughs> of, like, translation things because you know, it's it's clearly just the one boy in the opening scene. <laughs> right. the, the, the very young, four years old or whatever, and there's no one else, and they made a very obvious point early on of saying, yeah, your mom died. Yeah. birth to you. Or, like, right after whatever it was. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so I was like, so where did this younger sister <laughs> come from? And, and the grandfather early on at one point says, you know, to her, you know, something about him and his father. And I was like, "Is is she not Right, his. Is, is I kept playing this game too.
0: I was like, "Father,
1: we're." Like, uh, I was
0: like, "We're really making this character a second class citizen, and I don't like how this is being treated."
1: Yeah, I was, I was like, <laughs> "Is she not? Is he not her father? And if you know, if he is, who's the mother, and how did that happen? If he's been in a spaceship this whole time, yeah, you know? yeah." <laughs> And oh, then you get that man. story, and it's like, oh, well, this makes more sense now. That
0: was a pretty cool story, though, of, like, the, of the grandfather, uh, like, saving her. And then, like, oh, yeah, it was, it was It was really cool. Uh, one of those, like, I, I, one of those heartstring moments that they pull on, which is pretty cool. Um, just a simple note of, with seven days left, why are we looting? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I... I I've got, I got, I don't really have much else other than just like, it's a wild, it's a wild ride. It's a very, it's a, it's a strange and interesting experience.
1: I mean, there's definitely some pulse pounding, like situations that go on. So like, that's definitely entertaining.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, anything else, Al? No, I think that's about it.
2: Well, that's it. Let's wrap it up.
0: That's all for this week's episode of Flicks in a Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to in a six at thespinchune.com or tweet us at thespinchune. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. And I'm Al Bielsi. Al, be better.
1: Anthony, be better. Thanks for coming out.